Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Matt Damon. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes Lee in the Jets and the butt fumbling? Scene? I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. <laughs> There's some butt fumbling in that movie, too. Just a wee little bit. <laughs> Larry David, good to see you, sir. I think a lot of writers can be offensive coordinators. What's harder? If I could write stories, why would I be able to draw up a play? He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. If Mark were to get the nod, and if he played decently, if, uh, if, what a big word, with only two letters, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Cannavale. I told you my Derek Jeter story. I had Yankees, Atlanta, for the World Series. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He doesn't even look at me. Finally, last at bat, eighth <laughs> inning, yeah. Jeter comes up. Derek! Just turn around, man! Just turn around! <laughs> Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, "Bro, I hear you." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Free Agent Frenzy edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, coming to you uh, in day two of the league year 2014 in the National Football League. And as always, when we do podcasts at this time of the year, the caveat up front is all the news that we know right now is what we talk about. And if we're not talking about it, it's because it happened the very minute after we pressed stop on the record button for this very podcast. As uh, my Chris's, my compadres, Chris Law and Chris Brockman, you guys know it happens every year yes. where we do a free agent show and we sort of try to pick our spot during the week. And then we talk about something. And as soon as we go home, Law, you're like, well, how do we, how do we work in <laughs> do we do? this trade? How do we work back in... This free agent acquisition. Should we come back? Should we tape again? We're we're always trying to. We're trying to get something it out. live, but that's what Twitter Twitter's for. We're you're, we're here for more more for the analysis and your insight and our great commentary. Is that what we're here for? Something like I that. I thought it's just we have nothing better to do. That's but when you though. say it happens in an instant, I've been in the control room the last two days. Yeah, for the frenzy. For the frenzy, beginning to end, it is frenzy. Doesn't even begin to. Describe. I don't know how Rappaport, Silver, and our colleagues, our our buddy Schefter. Uh, by the way, Glazer is is down for the count right now. Back surgery? Is yeah, that what I he saw? got complications, so wow. I'm sure he he's not listening to this podcast wherever he is. But if he is, we're sending out our best to Glaze to get back on his feet and get back in this mix uh, for our friends over at Fox and for himself. But I, I don't know how these guys do it. Lock and four. I mean, yeah. it's nonstop. I mean, and and this and we're talking about guys that and and we we talk football 365. There's some guy. I'll be honest with you. I've never heard of <laughs> that. They're like they got three year contracts, two year contracts, or release. I, mean, I don't know how they do it, let alone how they do it with their significant others. Because we all get flack hey. as it is, and th- those guys are on their. We phones. do, or or, or well, you, you don't ever get or flack do. for being on your or phone. You do. I get flack for being on the phone checking work emails and stuff with her. Whenever. Well, it's because you're not really checking work. Well, emails. come on. But of course I am. Dude, Rich. I see some of the stuff you tweet out. Okay, some Rich. of the photos you're tweeting out. I don't and get flack no from anybody. Attaboy. <laughs> Attaboy. 
One day you will, sir. One day. One day you that will. Day I remember, I remember years I love- when you got started on this podcast, your nickname was Young Hollywood because you were dating some girl falling out of apple trees. Avocado Avocado trees. I forgot, I forgot what produce this tree was bearing fruit, whatever. You're with her. You're gone, and you fell out of the tree. I'm still You've Young You've been a free Hollywood. agent since, right? Speaking of free been. agent Speaking frenzy. Speaking of free agent frenzy. You have been a free agent for how many years? Two years now? Two years? A year and a half, probably. Yeah. A year and a half. Almost two. I mean, but you've grown. Your your piece of sh- car is now gone, right? Oh, you've got no, a new car. Stu Gatz. New right? car. Stu Gatz is gone. Stu Gatz was how old before oh, it finally gave way? Man, Stu Gatz had 185,000 miles. That's not true. Yeah, that's absolutely That's true. how many miles your car had? It was a truck. See, but a truck. But now you've, you've upgraded oh. to something more new. More, right. more new, very, very new. <laughs> was it brand new? Did you drive month? it off? Did you drive it off of a showroom floor? No, no, no. Okay. I bought it off a friend of our, a friend of mine. Okay, yeah. so, so, but you're in that regard. You've gotten, you've gotten more together. You've gotten, you've got more oh, to I'm, offer. I'm very together. I'm wearing better clothes. My, my favorite is never like a day like today. You're kind of getting off right after we're done taping this. You're out of here. Hey, what are you, what are you doing this thing? He's like, oh, I'm gonna go sit on my couch and watch ten hours. I'm gonna delve into God ten episodes bless. of this show. God bless. And I'll just probably like, go sleep oh. for a little bit. I took a three and a half hour nap yesterday after the frenzy. <laughs> after the frenzy, yeah. Because again, I mean, it was is uh, Demarcus Ware was released at the stroke of the league year. Oh, that four o'clock Eastern hour yesterday was nuts. Was, it was crazy. No, it was crazy. I know I sort of joked about it. I know I sort of joked about it at the top that we call it frenzy because I just, you know, listen, in the television business, we all understand that we're disseminating information and we've got to make it interesting for those who might be not the hardcore. So we call it free agent frenzy. And you know that there are some folks in management here who sit around a table and like, well, what are we going to call it? (laughs) And then they come up with the thought, let's call it free agent frenzy. Just like those um, law, get, 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 get the, get it ready. Get the paper ready. Those, those bullshit. Uh, rivalry weeks, right? right? <laughs> let's they come up with like let's make week or eight of the college football Sunday. season, right? All of the, <laughs> right. let's come up with. We've got to make somehow the late January, early February college hoops game. Do or something. die weekend. Alliteration right? is the big thing. We Just come. They come up with something, and be honest, most of us sports fans, we eat it up. We eat it up. And I came on the air and like with Marshall and Mooch at the strike. It's a frenzy, everybody. Let's just get it straight. It's a frenzy. It was crazy. It, it really was. I mean, it was one after another it after was. another after another. And it started with the mark. And just to show you how quickly things turn, we are currently um, 25 hours into the new league year. As we're taping this, 25 hours at the new league year. 25 hours ago, DeMarcus Ware was a cowboy and Darrell Rivas was a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And at the moment, the stroke of this minute of this taping, Ware is now a Denver Bronco. Yeah. And Rivas is probably having his agent burning up phone lines to a ton of teams that are trying to find out how cheaply they could get Darrell <laughs> Rivas. Because Rivas has hit the street again. Well, he didn't hit the street last year, but you know that the the Jets traded him to Tampa because the Jets uh, wanted to get him out because of their contractual situation, and um, and wanted to get him out of the conference. Certainly wanted to get him out of the division. Wanted to get him out of the conference. Send him to Tampa. Lovey Smith comes in, and Tampa is an interesting team. What they did. One of the first shots fired of free agency was they went ahead and signed Michael Johnson. Big money. To big money. Remember, four years ago, out of Georgia Tech, he came to the combine, jumped out of the building, 
he had a spectacular combine and uh, had some red flags in his personal life that had him drop to the third round. And he's a premier pass rusher. He's getting paid like one right now. Over $8 million a year for him. And he was on the uh, on the first or- one of the first orders of business for for the free agency period, certainly for Tampa, which was rumored to be trying to trade Darrell Revis all day on Tuesday. Couldn't do it for whatever reason. I, I many people believe it's Darrell Revis was not going to restructure a single penny for whoever was going to acquire him, and that's. Even though it's a, a series technically of one-year contracts at $16 million per, that's a serious piece of freight. Oh, yeah. And they went ahead and got Alteron Werner, who had as great a season at corner as anybody else last year for Tennessee. And they got him for $26.5 million over four years, which is $10.5 million more than what Revis was going to get paid for this year coming up alone. And on top of that, on Tuesday, they go ahead and get Josh McCown, the Chicago Bears backup, who had a great run when Cutler was out, creating a quarterback controversy in Chicago that some people thought that they should have kept playing that hot hand when Cutler came back healthy in late December. And instead, Cutler's returned, restored his starter. They give him his $100 million contract within days after the season. McCown, it's the free agent market. He signs with Tampa on Wednesday. A two-year deal worth $10 bucks. And in the press conference to announce all of this stuff in Tampa on Wednesday, Lovey Smith is asked if, if McCown's his quarterback. And his response was, yes, he is. How about that? Unreal. So McLennan, McLennan. is now the backup. And guess who's the backup in San Francisco now? Blaine Gabbert. Blaine was one of the trades of Tuesday. Traded to San Francisco for a sixth round choice. That wasn't their biggest. And Gabbert, I know. And Gabbert, Gabbert, Gabbert's making more money than Kaepernick right now. (laughs) The backup makes two and change, and the starter makes just less than a million. Now, that we all know is going to get rectified at some point. That was the conversation of two weeks ago that is Kaepernick's going to get $18 million. Is he worth it? Should you give it to him? Should you not? Hey, listen, in this day and age where quarterbacks do not win playoff games, where quarterbacks hardly even make the playoffs, certain ones in the NFC North come to mind, <laughs> where they get paid like franchise quarterbacks, Colin Kaepernick's worth $18 million per on the street. You know, so uh, I like what Tampa's been doing. They're they're they've been they've been a hub of activity. They're mixing it up over the first twenty five hours of free agency. Is it, is it enough? Do you think it's enough to push them in the? Uh, well, NFC I don't know. Sound? We'll see who they draft. I mean, as you know, this is all part of a piece of a puzzle, right. and it's also only the first twenty five hours of free agency. I mean, there's more to go. And who are they going to choose seventh overall? A lot of people thought maybe they'd take a quarterback. I don't think so now. Not anymore. I'm not going to do that now. You got McLennan sitting there, and you got McCown, yep. and that's who they're going into battle with. And you might sit here and go, well, how can you win a Super Bowl with McCown? Let's talk about how they won a Super Bowl in Tampa. How did they win a Super Bowl in Tampa? Warren Sapp has a few thoughts on that. On the defensive side of the ball with Brad Johnson. Johnson slinging it. Why can't Josh McCown be the Brad Johnson of this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team? He's had a few chances, though. With the way McCown played at the end of the year last year, absolutely. 
You got Vincent Jackson. You got the butler, or what are we calling him now? Uh, Not the butler. You. That's oh, Alfred yeah. Morris. You got the oh, you got muscle, uh, hamster, muscle hamster, or you know what? Ma- we, what Martin, was our nickname? Martin Scorsese, the Duggernaut. Scorsese, the Duggernaut. Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, the Martinizer. A lot, a lot of good nicknames for him. That seems like a long time ago. I don't know. I, I mean, they they've got some ability. Mike and Williams. I'll tell you what: if I'm Tampa, if I am Atlanta. I know, I know I where am you're going New with Orleans. This. I know where you're going, Rich. And if Carolina does what we are hearing that they are going to do with Steve Smith at some point, they're going to try and trade him. They're going to definitely do what the Jets try to do with Revis, is trade him out of the division, out of the conference. Uh, as I said on the air live yesterday, they're going to have to trade him out of the galaxy. <laughs> There's not going to be a place far enough away from Carolina for him to try and attempt to exact his revenge. And I know that you know his agent said he's – played his last down for Carolina. It's just a matter of how are they going to cut bait with Steve Smith? Will they will they trade him away? Will they cut him? Steve Smith already tweeted out, I'm always going to be a Carolina Panther. He took the high road on Twitter on Wednesday, uh, but he did say in a, a secondary tweet that he still has a couple of years of football left, and I, I most certainly agree. But if I'm Tampa, if I'm New Orleans – if I'm Atlanta, I'm saying, you come here, Steve Smith. We'll give you two cracks to serve up that cold dish each year. We'll give you that. I would take him. And, you know, I've said this before. He is on my he-can-play-for-me team. There's been people who Heinz uh, Ward is on that team. Brian Dawkins yeah. was on that team. Those guys – can play for me and 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 that's what brings it sort of full circle with Clowney in our discussion a couple weeks ago I like the guys whose heartbeat you can see not just here you can see it beating out of their chest because it's so big and it means so much now it may mean so much to Clowney but he's not showing it <laughs> but that may be his personality maybe I don't need those guys on my team I'm, I mean, I'm being he- honest I, I, I that's great he can play great I want the personalities. I want the red asses. I want those guys. So, so Eli Manning, no, because he's not he's not showing it. And uh, he's, up, but he's got two titles. But he, it's there. Okay. It's there. All right. It's there. That's that's a good point. I mean, Eli, but the Mannings, the Mannings, that's they all. But you've seen Peyton on the sideline. Eli is too. Yeah. Eli's got it. You're not a Manning without that. Come on. You almost, you almost got me there. <laughs> He's the only one I can think of. But really, I, but I that's, that's about it. But I, I, as you know, I'm a f- huge fan of Eli Manning's, of all of them, because I'm, I'm an honorary Manning. An honorary Manning. Is that sort of like how I'm an honorary Hasselback? Correct. Well, like, what are you an honorary? You're an honorary what? Duck Dynasty guy? Yeah, I guess some, something something like that. Hillbilly, Duck Dynasty, something like that. I'll take it. <laughs> Demarcus Ware, part of the. Denver Bronco defensive bonanza. T.J. Ward was one of the first signings of the entire free agency period. And then Tuesday night, oh. Aqib Tlaib, we're saying that, what, made your night longer on the job? Is that what happened? No, it's just he lost him from bum, the Patriots. Bummer news. Oh, well, Patriots that. weren't going to pay that money. No, no, of course not. No I, way. I, I mean, does that surprise you guys how much money he got from yes. them? That was I mean, astronomical. Six, six years. I mean, well, well you ten... know, just don't look at the final numbers. Well, you don't look, what, you what's look at the that guaranteed, guaranteed money, man. What's but, the guaranteed? Two, two, two 25. Years, yeah, 26 million guaranteed. Yeah. 
Six yeah. year, fifty-seven million, twenty-six guaranteed. But remember, two years ago, he was in jeopardy of being booted out of the league with his legal. Yeah. Well, he says, you know, he's a changed man. Well, that just shows, you know, when you take that one year and you gamble on yourself, sometimes it pays off. Certainly did for him. Patriots are not paying that money. Patriots are going to pay Tom Brady. What else? Will Fork? Who Will else they paying? Him? How far? Mankins, right? Mankins, Mayo. That's it. They, and then the, and they'll find the rest. They'll find the rest. They'll find the rest. Hey, they had 14 rookies last You're year. You're concerned that Edelman hit the street. Who's going to catch the ball? Are we going to have another year in New England of when's Gronk coming back? Who's catching the ball for Brady? Are we going to have another one of those? You know who I'd love because it sure looks like. You know who I'd to. love to yeah, see in the slot up there? Steve Smith. Hey now. Yeah, I'm sure Belichick would love to have him. Talk about a tough guy in the slot. How about Revis in the secondary? I'll take that too. But they got to pay him. Playing the Jets twice a year. I know. Got to pay him. Oh, that would just add another chapter in the storied rivalry. <laughs> There's talk that Revis might go back to the Jets. I know. How amazing. What a coup I that mean, would be. I don't know how for, that's for John Edzik to pull that off it's though. It's not that. It's Woody Johnson sitting there. And if you're if you're again, there's a little bit of, of with Revis, the buyer beware. Because he has shown throughout his entire career there's not a penny to be left on the table for that's him. That's true. And and, and, and I don't say that and I you know, that may sound like a criticism. We all want the most money from our employers he we could possibly his, get. He gets his. Okay, and so, and that's part of the reason why, apparently, that he couldn't be traded, that he wasn't going to touch his contract, or maybe he wasn't going to touch his contract for the teams that were inquiring about him. Perhaps. And and then so he made the play with his agent saying, "Let's get released and let's go make myself a free agent," and as most as close to sixteen million as as he can possibly make. Maybe he will. But I don't think any team's going to sign him to the same deal that Mark Dominic also, signed him to. Do you which think is these... he ends up getting 10 at least? Oh, yeah. You do? Well, for sure. He's also in year two coming off the ACL, which is much different He's than He's Darrell one. Rivas. He is Darrell Rivas. And if he plays like Darrell Rivas. And, uh, that hey, was three or four years ago, Rich. Just two years two. ago. Yeah, just two. Yeah, but being Darrell Rivas. Darrell Rivas, two years ago. But we saw it. You can lose it quick. Look at Namdi. I mean, he, it, it can go. Once you get exposed, um, I, I, you know, so you have to be beware. And I'm sure Woody Johnson's like, why would I invite him back? So what? So I, I can get I can get held out on again. Yeah. I mean, there's there's still some blood there, but maybe I don't know. Just one phone call of kissing, making up and Rex gets him back because he was he was never he wasn't the same guy last year. And you don't have no idea if it's the knee, which you have to assume it was or just it was the. The Shiano, uh, the Shiano nest of it all. Man, oh man. You know what hasn't been talked about much was I was surprised Donald Brown going to San Diego. I mean, he had a quietly big, impactful year for the Colts. He and did. Are they all in on the Trent Richardson thing? I, I, what's going I, on? I, well, I mean, they got a mod, They signed a mod Bradshaw back. Vic Ballard's going to come back from his knee injury, so I think right there you, you've got your running backs. Well, it's been really quiet on the skill skill side of. Offense. Well, uh, and you have to wonder what's up with so that. Far. We're going to talk about this with Brian Billick, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens 2000 championship team, and our, our friend who is part of the free agent frenzy. And uh, he and uh, Mike Martz are two uh, Super Bowl head coaches yeah. uh, showing up uh, with uh, big, big white beards. <laughs> Got to respect the beard. I mean, I, I mean, wow. Martz has the Fu Manchu going. He looks, well, Martz, people, looks I, think they, I think they were calling him Colonel Sanders. Oh really? I missed yes. That. Oh yes, because he did look like he was a bolo tie short of of, of giving out <laughs> buckets of chicken. 
Ugh. on Tuesday. So Billick is going to be joining the show, and we'll see how all of this affects the draft. We're less than two months away from night number one in Radio City Music Hall. Charles Davis will be joining us. He's he's on the run. He's on the move somewhere. Yeah, he's he's uh, always he's, going. Somewhere. He's uh, he home now, and he's on his way to the airport. I believe. All right, so we're going to call him on the. Yeah, on... We either get him on the tarmac or in his car or something. And Aaron Paul. Yes, Jesse. Who, as you know, we've been ticking off, checking off the boxes slowly here on our favorite television show, Breaking Bad. How many years ago was Cranston on? Cranston was uh, two? it was the end two of season two, and they were just taping season three. I'll get you the exact date here. Give me it one must second. have been 2011. Yeah, it was it was 11, but uh, summer 11. The... Oh yeah, it wasn't your season. It was season two and into he, season yeah, three for us because he brought in season two DVDs, and we gave those away to listeners. Oh. If you recall, but I don't think I was involved in the show. No, you were. No. That was uh, it. Was early on in so that, was, that was summer eleven, I think. And so, and then we Vince Gilligan, one of our favorite podcasts oh, that we've done. Incredible. So it now, was... so it, that means we'll have Walter White, the creator Vince Gilligan, and then Jesse Pinkman himself. His new movie Need for Speed, based on the video game. Yeah, in theaters March fourteenth. There you Friday. go. July 21st, 2011, we had him on with uh, Jeff Fisher and Peter King. Why wouldn't we? When we were doing That's the TV the show with uh, Del Tufo was in the mix then. That's right. A little throwback. Uh, Spoon? I think this was, uh, this was in between. This was the, uh, the in-between period, I believe. This was pre-Brockman. Pre-Brockman. Yeah. <laughs> PB. Yeah. P- yeah. PCB. None of it, none PC of it matters. PC before Chris. There you go. <laughs> Pre-Chris Brockman. Aaron Paul. Um, we have him on the phone. Yeah, he's which actually is in unfortunate New York. for this yeah. show because we Cranston oh. and Vince Gilligan were in person, but he's in New York. They had the premiere for for the movie there, so hopefully it'll go well enough. I'll just call, you know what I I as you know I'm always straightforward with people uh, with whom for for whom I'm a fan. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Is I'm not one of those guys. I'm I'm not going to try and play it too cool for school. If I think you're awesome, I'm going to tell you that. And um, as you, as I told Vince Gilligan, like I totally fanboyed him in the airport, <laughs> and that's how he came on the show. So I, I, you know, hopefully the interview will go nicely with Aaron Paul, and and we'll invite him in person yeah, to have a full conversation because he strikes me as a very uh, cerebral guy who, no doubt, it, clearly as you saw in his portrayal of Jesse Pinkman, uh, I'm sure he ruminated quite a bit on what made the character tick and i'd love to just pick his brain well what's, what's great too is he definitely embraces that show and its fans because if you follow him on twitter i do um he'll be in a he's been on a whirlwind tour for this movie promotion all over yeah, I mean, he was all over the super bowl yeah but i was the only guy who didn't get a chance to interview me at the super bowl i know i don't know how that 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 didn't happen at super bowl but, I, it's, um, it's unbelievable he actually mooch mooch got to interview him and i guarantee you <laughs> i guarantee you steve mariucci had may- maybe needed to be told what Breaking Bad was. <laughs> well, he does. He might have. You know, he might have thought it was like, what is this? Is this? A- he might have thought that was a car movie. Yeah. You know, because they're Breaking Bad. <laughs> no, Steve, it's not about breaking in a car. <laughs> and I'd, M- Melissa Stark w- interviewed him too. I don't think she was a fan of the show. You don't see Melissa with the, the four kids watching Breaking Bad together, family family programming. But uh, he, on Twitter, he's great with the fans. He tweets locations and says, come meet me here, yeah, win so, this prize, all that fun stuff. So, so that's later on. Seems like he gets it. Have we hit all everything on the free agency front here? I mean, 
in terms of players. I mean, I know we didn't t- talk about offensive linemen. A lot of guys moved around. Brandon yeah. Albert, a big a lot of right. shuffling. Jared Veldier went from uh, from Oakland to Arizona. Um, Only one big receiver so far, Golden Tate, five years to the Lions. Yeah, to the Lions. That's interesting. Tate and Megatron with Reggie Bush and Stafford. Joyke Bell staying for three years. He was was effective. More guaranteed money than Reggie Bush is currently making. Hmm. All for Jim Caldwell, who's going to bring his offensive mindset to that team. That's an interesting, man, it's interesting. That one, the Lions... If they could, and I, I don't know what the what the Vikings um, are going to look like, who their quarterback's going to be. Someone Michael they dra- Vick. Someone they draft, maybe Michael Vick. But I mean, if you're Ponder, which I, look, I know he's gotten his opportunities. Castle, who just resigned, and AP's out there saying how Michael Vick is the key. Like that, that's got to dig. That's well, got to dig. I'm sure it digs. I'm sure it digs. I just again, Michael Vick has played 11 years in the NFL once. Once, 2006, was he able to make it? 16 games. 16 games. It's only happened once. So if you're back up to Michael Vick, you got to look alive because you're going to get in there. But Vick in the same backfield as Adrian Peterson. Look out. And Greg Jennings, no slouch, two touchdown catches in a Super Bowl victory for Ru- Green Rudolph, Bay. Kyle Rudolph. And, but who was more dynamic in December than Cordero Patterson? He was coming on strong. Special teams, wide receiver, you know, those screen, those bubble screens Ooh. that would go for 80 yards. Made the Pro Bowl. He's good. So they have pieces there. Jared Allen is not there anymore. And Marshall had a great point. This is before DeMarcus Ware signed. We didn't even get to that point because we, we were sort of on a tangent here that it went uh, Ward to Lieb and then Ware to Lieb saying that he was on the. Well, the flight. Took his flight to Denver. Did you hear that story? No. He's taking his flight to Denver, walks into first class, and goes, oh, there's DeMarcus Ware. And he's like, maybe he's coming to Denver with me. Well, he literally did. He did <laughs> go to Denver with him, and then figuratively, he signed on the dotted line for $30 million over uh, three years, including the same amount of money in the first year that he would have made if Dallas had kept him. So he didn't lose a penny. Does this make up for the facts, Gate? issue of last year or no nothing lose, makes lose, up for the fact that was, that was, i mean bad how does again let's re- review how do you not get in your contract because you have to go to a kinko's to fax it in this day and age is it because you didn't get your page on your beeper <laughs> Could it be you were too busy listening to music on your Walkman? I think Jesse to hear, was the last to hear your to beeper, beeper. <laughs> to hear your pager go off before you went to Kinko's to fax. I think one of the could it be? Could it be you didn't get the email because your dial-up was too slow? I think it's because Theon killed all the Ravens at Castle Black. It could be that. It could go that far back. Wow. But the Marcus Ware with Von Miller and I'm a, you know Sean Phillips is still out there. Who knows if they re-sign him. But that's the copycat league, brothers. Seattle with their NASCAR package. You put four pass rushers on with defensive line at once, and you go hunt. That worked. Sure worked. Yeah. So Marshall said during the broadcast that Elway should get Ware, Allen, 
Jared Allen and Julius Peppers in the same room. We didn't even mention Julius Peppers getting released. And say, hey, guys, let's all take a discount. I'll fit you all under the salary cap. And essentially, they'll be like the LeBron, Bosch, and Wade <laughs> of the NFL, even though obviously Wade was already in, in the spot. Well, big and three. LeBron and Bosch came and met him. But sort of like, let's team up in free well, agency, right? The Broncos have completely mortgaged their future to win this year. I don't, think, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. Clearly, the window's open for only a certain amount of time with Peyton Manning. Well, he only has two years left on his deal. But if the guy has two more MVP-type seasons <laughs> and wants to play two more years, you think Elway's going to uh, uh, – let's let, let's let's usher in the Osweiler era, right? I don't well, know. You never know. So I'm not going to sit here and say that. But And I don't know the cap ramifications of the Tlaib deal or the Ward deal. But I did see the number. They had 20-some-odd million to play with. And they they're ready. I don't know if that was the problem why they lost the Super Bowl because they couldn't sack Russell Wilson. And Eric Decker to 25 hours in hasn't been touched. None of them. I mean, visiting right. visiting the Jets one. Wednesday. Interesting. Eric, Eric Decker. Who's going to be the Jets? And was who, I mean, Geno Smith to Eric Decker. Right? Maybe. <laughs> You know, Rich, you mentioned Jared Allen. I think one of the biggest uh, surprises for me was hearing that he would consider retirement if he doesn't get a fair market deal. Yeah. And then apparently his agent said that that was somebody speaking out of, out of school, that it wasn't for real. I don't know, man. You know, it, when, when, when negotiations, and this is in any business, when negotiations go longer than you think, stuff can go sideways real fast. Yeah. Because people whisper, people talk. You don't know what you know. You think you know what you know, well, it's and then like you McAfee hear. He said last week, you know, you start hearing what the other side's saying, then you, don't let me know. Or that, then he that, got his deal. And he got his deal. Do we know if he was ever able to put the top down on his uh, <laughs> on his convertible rent car? I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll follow up on that. We were trying to hang out with him one of the nights. A lot of good, a lot of good comments about Pat yeah. McAfee on the show, though. People yeah. really All like right. him. Though. Great dude. Yeah, it was a fun one last week. So is Billick on the phone? Uh, yes, Coach Billick is on the phone. He uh, is not at the airport. That'll be Charles Davis. All right, let's get to him. Back on the Rich Eisen podcast, pleased to have uh, the coach of the Super Bowl-winning Ravens uh, back in 2000 and a longtime friend of this program, also NFL Networks and Fox Sports, is Brian Billick. How are you, Coach? I am doing great. So uh, where do you stand on the uh, – before we get into the actual names of people who moved – on the first uh, day and a half of the free agency of the new league year, where do you stand on free agency and draft to build a team? Where do you stand on that subject? Well, like everybody, I mean, we're going to, how many times will we hear from every team? Uh, we want to build by the draft. We want that to be the core, but virtually everybody in varying degrees uses free agency to augment it. And not all necessarily in the big signings and the big ticket. Some of them are very strategic about it, but in today's NFL, as you go through the numbers, um, everybody is involved in free agency in one form or another. A few exceptions. The Green Bay Packers are typically yeah. that just just don't get involved in free agency, and you can't certainly argue with their success. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, another team that is not particularly active in free agency. But outside of that, um, you know, most everybody in some form or fashion 
uh, even the good teams, you know, dip into that free agent market, even if it's later in the free agency period where you get those good bargain basement deals. Where do you? Who was the best free agent you signed when you were with the Ravens? You know what? We weren't a particularly high-priced free agent uh, team in Baltimore, but one of the most strategic ones we got was Sam Adams uh, in the center. Uh, we got him from Seattle. Uh, and that was back in the day when you were still kind of recruiting. Remember when we used to wine and dine and you felt like you had to do all that? And going back to my college days, I remember Sam Adams. Uh, we had him in the building, and it's like anything. If they walk out the building without a contract, you've got a problem. You've got to close, right? Yep. Uh, Alex Baldwin taught us that in Glen Carey. Glenn, you know, right? you yeah, got uh, yeah. to close. Always be closing. ABC. Well, and I just, you know, I had not that long at a college game, and he was at the airport. So I come back in, and I'm going to go, where's Sam? He goes, he's at the airport. I go, what do you mean he's at the airport? Because we were close to getting a deal done. And I'm going, get someone's butt out there right now, uh, and, and I want someone standing next to him, and we ended up getting uh, Sam Adams. And he was a huge part you know, of, of that defense, teaming with Tony Saragusa, and we had the rush ends on the outside, and Rod Woodson, you know, Ray Lewis in behind it. So that was probably the biggest free agency get I can remember in my time with the Ravens. And so who would you think, again, and, and I, as I said at the top of the show, when we do uh, podcasts at this time of year, there is a risk of it being dated. Um, by because minutes. of Yeah, by minutes, exactly. But who do you think has been the – which signing is the one that you pointed you can point to right now and say that is a difference maker? You know, and typically the big signings tend to be with the teams that aren't very good at the bottom end of it. But when you look at what Denver has done, you know, and typically a team coming off a Super Bowl isn't particularly active. But when you look at what Denver has done, a Super Bowl participating team to pick up Aqib Tlaib and T.J. Ward in the secondary, and then DeMarcus Ware, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to uh, add to that defensive rush, um, you know, the, I think Denver, uniquely for a Super Bowl-winning team, was particularly active and particularly strategic. I don't think they broke the bank. You know, Tampa Bay, of course, Tampa Bay was a couple years ago heavy into free agency. They obviously have done well uh, when, when they've been able to, to pick up a Michael Johnson. Josh McCowan was an interesting sign, obviously. Uh, Lovey Smith, the question is, do you think Mike Glennon, your rookie quarterback last year, do you think he's the guy? Well, you've got a pretty evenly priced backup that has shown that he can be a starter uh, because they're obviously building for defense as well. And I think Tampa Bay's been very good in what they've done. Yeah, and they also got Alteron Werner, who I thought was the, the gem, the diamond in this rough here, for $14 million guaranteed, $26.5 million. He's as good as they come at that position in the NFL. There is. You know, when Lovey Smith put that or looked at that, that defense, and let's go back to his days in Tampa before, and, and the, the, the Dungy Tampa 2 guys, will t- even though that's a misnomer now because that's not their primary defense. And he always laughs when you talk to Lovey Smith about that. They play their fair share of three and one, but they still play the Tampa two, but it's not the primary defense. But those guys still have the same philosophy. You build through the core, you know, your three technique and our Warren Sapp, Broderick Thomas, the Will linebacker, uh, John Lynch at the safety. Well, he's got, and not to equate these guys with those Hall of Famers necessarily, but pretty good. Gerald McCoy in, in the interior of the defensive line, um, Avante David at the Will linebacker position. And they've got um, uh, Mark Barron and Deshaun Golston at the safety position. So he feels good about the center of the defense to add, obviously, an Ultron Werner on the outside. Uh, and then Michael Johnson. They've got uh, 
Claiborne and um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing the name of the other outside rush guy. Their first or second round draft choice the last couple of years. Uh, but Bowers, but, they uh, got, yeah, Bowers. Mm-hmm. They've got a pretty good, you know, they not great guys, but solid on the outside. I wouldn't call them bust at the first and second round, but they've been okay. But now you add Michael Johnson. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and. You know, the big question is offensively, what do they do? Does Josh McCowan make the difference for them uh, offensively? And, and you know, you take a look at how you move pieces around within your salary cap. Werner's $14 million guaranteed over the four years. And Revis, who they cut on Wednesday, was $16 million for just this year alone. And, and you're able to now, obviously, Revis Island is... He, he skyrocketed to the top of the NFL.com free agency tracker the minute the minute he hit the street. But Werner, in my mind, is very good. And now you have salary cap to play around to try and fill other roles. And you've got a top 10 pick in the draft. I really like what is going on in Tampa, especially no, no with Lovey Smith there. It. It's a sliding scale in terms of, it always is, the value versus, you know, the, the, the ability versus the value and the dollar. And what they've done intelligently is we all, as we all have seen and heard and read, that this cap is going to kind of go up in chunks now. It's kind of dribbled out the last couple of years with the big TV contracts, but you knew now is a time to get healthy. When you have a contract like Ultron Verner's that you can absorb easily over a cap that looks like it, it's not like they're you know, one shot and done here, okay, let's sell out this year. And, and see if that can they, – they, they, these are good strategic moves, and you got to like what Tampa Bay is doing. Yeah, they pick seventh overall. Um, and we're going to have Charles Davis on to talk more about the draft, but let's, let's d- dive into a little bit more of free agency here. What was the Cowboys thinking? That's one of the uh, questions that we had some of our fans uh, chime in on that. Right, right Law, wasn't this one of a yeah, question a, from a fan a, a, on this front here? A couple, a couple of different Twitter questions, I believe. Uh, yeah, this one is from uh, good old uh, at Hermy Jering. Uh, that's a, a famous Twitter account. Yes. Or at least we now have just made it famous. What What are the Cowboys thinking by releasing DeMarcus Ware? What do you well, think they're thinking was there? Let's go back to what Baltimore did a couple of years ago when they released Ray Lewis. Couldn't come to the contract offer they wanted to. And but they had a faith. They believed in their player, their relationship. That that no, we'll let him let the street show him what his value is. And I always advocated that. You know, one of the most frustrating things is the agents come in and they tell them they're going to be worth this, that, or the other. And and I would always tell, okay, let's let him. I know we could lose him, but let's let him go to the street. Let's let's let him see what their value is going to be. Otherwise, we're negotiating against ourselves. Uh, and sometimes you have to do that. And. And I, it, it sounds like, or it looks like to me, that they, in dealing with DeMarcus Ware, it's okay. They couldn't quite get to it. So we think we know what the market's going to be. Let's let him go out there and see what it is and if it lingers a little bit. And if you remember with Ray, he hung there for a while. And, and you've got to give him great credit to come back to the Baltimore Ravens, which is a tough thing to do, to go to the street, not find a lot of buyers, and then come back. Well, with DeMarcus Ware, it didn't take long for him up in, in, uh, in Denver, so it was that we guessed wrong on that one. Yeah, that that street was paved with uh, with a little bit of gold there because they, they gave him uh, in the first year of his contract what he was going to make with Dallas. They basically said, "Well, Dallas wasn't willing to pay you that. We'll pay you what you were going to make in Dallas." So you're no blood. You come here and you try and win a ring with Peyton Manning. That worked. Yeah, and and the fact that that uh, you're opposite of Von Miller, we already talked about the things they've added on the back end. So they this team got better 
in free agency. We haven't even approached the draft yet for Denver. So you got to feel very good if you're a Denver Bronco fan right now. And DeMarcus Ware, it's not like this is a long term. This is, you know, everything's in the window of Peyton Manning right now. So DeMarcus Ware, and, and we'll see during the season, there's any number of these signings that look good, and then someone gets hurt. But you know what? If a player gets hurt, you don't say, boy, did we screw up in free agency. Because any player could get hurt. Uh, uh, even the players you sign back of your own or any player that you draft. Now, DeMarcus Ware's had some injuries. Uh, so that is certainly a factor, but they feel good about what he – and I imagine they might use him a little more situationally, not necessarily in every down guide to make sure that he's there for the dance. And so the Revis situation, I'd love to uh, pick your brain on this because, uh, as I mentioned at the top of this show, Revis is not shown in uh, any stretch in his professional career uh, an interest in a hometown discount or leaving a single penny on the table. And him telling Tampa – um, or who, whichever suitors were going to try and flip draft picks to Tampa for him. Uh, apparently, he was basically saying, I, I want to hit the market. And DeMarcus, we're going ahead and making the same amount of money that he would have made had uh, Dallas not done anything. Only bolsters, I'm sure, his belief that he could go out and find that money on the street and choose where he gets to play in that regard. Yeah, I love that. I love it when people you know, the conjecture, and it doesn't mean that it was actually legitimate, because a lot of times we'll conjecture things that are, end up actually being silly, but it sounded good at the time, like a lot of decisions I've made in my life. Um, but you, well, okay, we, we'll go get this player, and, and he'll take, not a discount, but he'll restructure his contract. That's why, you know, we'll trade for him, and he'll restructure it. Well, no. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, show me the money. Now, they'll restructure it if you give him more guaranteed up front right now. And Darrell Rivas, yeah, he's all set for, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll change my contract around, and I'll make it cap-friendly for you, but you're going to give me guaranteed money up front. I'm going to get my money. And I'm not saying that just about Darrell Rivas. It's about every player. Uh, so when you come to – it's a little like when we look at the quarterbacks, when you've got one of these $120 million quarterbacks, which is tough the first year you get them. But going forward, it helps because now you can restructure those contracts. And I always love it when we hear about a Tom Brady or any of these great quarterbacks. Say, well, they restructured their quarterbacks for the good of the team. Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, yeah, it helped, but they got more guaranteed money. No one's doing anything for free. And they're, they're getting more guaranteed money, in, and more and larger and larger chunks of that contract are getting guaranteed. That's all that they're doing as opposed to going, oh, no, no, you take it out of my contract. This will be on my tab, and I don't need the money. It doesn't work that way. Would you go for Revis if you're building a team right now? Would you go and go, go grab him? Yeah, again, at what price? Yeah, at what price? You could get him at a pretty good price. Uh, I don't know that his injury history is such that you look at it and say this guy is injury prone. Is he the consummate best? Like you say, the difference between an Ultron Werner and Terrell Revis? I, I don't know that I'd. It's substantial right now, so that's probably the area that you're looking at contract-wise. Uh, and as long as you're guaranteed a certain chunk of it, yeah, I, I would think, you know, just, again, any time in free agency, you really have to temper it to say, what are our expectations? We just talked about uh, uh, DeMarcus Ware. It might be a situational rusher. What are his expectations, and what are your expectations so that you're not feeling like you've been robbed in terms of what he actually does when he comes in or this player. And that's a hard thing for DeMarcus Ware that, you know, you're going to make a lot of money as a third down pass rush guy, but you're not an every down guy right now. That was part of Ray Lewis's situation, although he did end up being a great three down guy all the way through his career. 
when he went to the street, the question was, you know, are you a two-down guy? And do we have to take you out on third down? Well, Ray wanted no part of that, even though his game maybe had tailed off a bit in that area. What is going on with Carolina and Steve Smith? Do you, I mean, you, you, you do games for Fox. I imagine you did a few Carolina games this past season. They were undefeated under coach. There you the go. Beginning of the That's season. right. I'm, yeah. I was their good luck charm. You, you were. were their good luck charm. But Steve Smith can still play football, and it's not like they're, they're cap-strung, Carolina. And I mean, and Cam's got to throw to somebody. Right, I mean, yeah, this, what are they, they're one of the teams that. Well, it's interesting if you look at the uh, at the two areas that interest me. Having just done the combine with y'all, is what are the two best areas right now? Offensive line and wide receiver, right? Okay. Those are probably the two deepest areas. Not only depth, but quality depth. You know, right down those top three tackles uh, in Robinson and Matthew and and uh, Lawan uh, out of Michigan, and then, you know, Mike Evans really showed well, the receiver from Texas A&M, and Marquise Lee, and a lot of good wide receivers. Well, if you look at the free agency market at, at receiver and, and uh, offensive lineman, uh, in particular tackle, not, not a lot going on. No. Not a lot out there because, again, you don't make these decisions in a vacuum. It's, well, okay, what are our anticipations? of the draft so you know you got golden tate leaving seattle to go to 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 detroit but you saw riley cooper re-sign with philadelphia as did as did jeremy macklin you saw jacoby jones come back with the baltimore ravens so uh, you saw anquan bolden going back with san francisco so on both sides i think the team saw well we don't have to go nuts in free agency at wide receiver um and and those that were on existing teams saying you know it's a good wide receiver draft the market's only so good. You know what? That deal my team offered me doesn't look all that bad. So when you when it comes down to it, Steve Smith, I mean, why why would they release him? Yeah, Is there something you know going on, I mean, that we Bill, don't know about? I will say this. You know, Bill Walsh was a master and, and talked a great deal about the timing of letting the vaunted, well-respected veteran go. You want to you wanna cut them not on the downhill, uh, or if you can get them traded just before they hit that crest, and that's 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 the, the the question about Steve Smith. Obviously, a viable player for them, but as they look going down long term, and the, what is he, 34 years old? Yes. I mean, he, you have to admire Steve Smith on so many levels, but the fact that he signed on to developing Cam Newton, and 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 threw himself into it with really nothing else, uh, you know, for him to. For, for anybody else, or I should say for Cam Newton to go to. Uh, and now for them and Brandon LaFell, he's the other guy that kind of stepped up and they thought, you know, uh, played fairly well. But they obviously feel like they need a whole lot better, uh, feel like the draft may represent that. And as we're finding, you know, Steve Smith may end up back in Carolina. It may be one of those deals where he goes out unless in the last two minutes he signed. Um, it's okay. He views his, you know, the particularly veterans at the last age want that last, that last big payoff, and sometimes their expectations a little high. Maybe Steve Smith sees, okay, the market at this level that I, my agent said I was going to get isn't there, and now it will come back to where Carolina. Although that's awful hard to do. Certainly with him, as I tweeted Absolutely. out earlier today. I mean, if the minute Steve Smith gets released. And I'm in the NFC South. I sign him on the spot so he can get two cracks at serving up the dish cold. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. He, and because and that is a hard thing. 
and some I've seen veterans go with other teams for less money simply because you were the bearer of bad news mm. and said, you know, I'm going to put you out on the street to show your value, and when the real world hits you in the face, you kind of you blame me for it. You know, players, and I learned so much from the players, you know, Shannon Sharp always taught me, if they love you, you never make the street. If you make the street, you know what they're telling you, uh, no matter what they say. And so it takes a lot for a player to come back into that locker room once you've been put out in the street. And the 10 years that I've done this, too, Steve Smith is number one in terms of using material within his temples oh, to get that heart beating even greater. I mean, he is the king of motivation, self-motivation. Don't poke the rattlesnake. I, I, and he has he tweeted today, too, on on, uh, on Wednesday, that this he still has some football left. And oh, no question. Just on sheer attitude. I did a game against St. Louis where he just schooled that corner and, and afterwards told him, son, you got to learn the difference between weight rooting strong and old man strong. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And the ice up sun stuff with the keep to leave, uh, you know, and then then you just sit here and wonder who, who's going to catch the ball for somebody like Tom Brady too, letting Julian Edelman hit the street that again, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be there, but it just seems once again, uh, maybe we're just seeing, as you said, uh, m- a lot of teams believing, let's just go ahead and use the draft to build through, through again, this may be knee-jerk because free agency is just a day and a half old. Perhaps they just use the draft to try and get some pass catchers for 2014. Yeah, and whether it's a Drew Brees and, and, and them going through the transition and losing Lance Moore, who was always kind of a comfort zone for – for Drew Brees or what Tom Brady's had to go through. At some point, now these are, these are you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks that are on the company line. You know, Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees, I think, were separated at birth as twins, and obviously Brady and Belichick are attached to the hip. But at some point, don't you know that Brees and Brady are sitting in the office right now going, really? really? I mean, you think you could just bring anybody in here? And, and I, you know, can I keep somebody um, you got to know there's a little bit of frustration when you go through, you know, losing his Wes Welker, and then they bring in Danny Amendola, and he's going, heck, I can't play. I'll go. I'm going to stick with Julian Edelman, and now Edelman's gone. Hmm. Um, where do you stand on um, where do you stand on the quarterbacks available in the draft right now? I'm going to talk about this with Charles Davis coming up, but I would love to get your position on where you stand on the, the Bortles Manziel Bridgewater ness of it all. Yeah, uh, as I've been kind of having, I'm very much like our president. I'm evolving on these quarterbacks. Uh, my position is evolving. Um, like everybody, I was very impressed. And I'm, you know, come, come the combine, I'm very you know, symbolic of the coaches. It's my first real look at these guys. Uh, you know, obviously doing my games and, and during the year and, and get a glimpse of some of the college stuff. And, and then we're doing the Super Bowl, and God forbid I actually did take a week off, unlike most coaches. Uh-huh. And then you start to look at the college stuff. So the combine was my first real beginning where I'm starting to look at these guys. And so at first blush, when you look at a guy like Bortles, you're, you're very, very impressed. The thing about these quarterbacks, they remind me of the year. These obviously aren't Andrew Luck and RG3, where slam dunk these were going to be the top, 10, top two picks. The year we took Kyle Bowler, it was Carson Palmer, Kyle Bowler, and Byron Leftwich. And it reminds me of those, even though Carson Palmer went number one, right. that everybody liked these guys. 
but there was kind of a qualifier for each of them. Just that little bit of, you know, with, with uh, Bowler, it was lack of accuracy. With Leftwich, it's can he stay healthy and he's going to get big. With Carson Palmer, it was, geez, you know what, this isn't the most dynamic leader I've ever met. So there's just that hint of hesitation, even though you look at the film and you like all of them. These three guys, the same way. Bridgewater, on film, he's the, his film, everything you see translates in the NFL. That's the thing you really like about Bridgewater. The, mechanic, the size, he's a little frail. Um, you know, would someone say, they, joking about uh, Tom Brady when he came out, he looked like the illegitimate son of a Swedish field goal kicker. You know, just the body type scares you a little bit. Uh, Manziel, does it truly translate? I've, I've come along on Manziel. I like what I see in Manziel. Do I think he's a can't-miss Codlock franchise quarterback? No, I don't think I could put my, at least so far, can't put my stamp on that. Bortles is the most interesting to me. Um, there's gonna, the, people are going to roll the dice. But I've said, I say it every year, and I end up repeating myself because I'm an old man, and you do that when you're an old man. <laughs> but need is a terrible evaluator. <laughs> and we've got that need up there, and we saw it two years ago or a couple years ago, didn't we, when we saw a, a Christian Ponder and a Jake Locker That's and a Blaine right. Gabbert maybe artificially pulled up early into the draft, even a Ryan Tannehill, who looks like he might be pretty good. Kind of gets our, and what happened the next year? Well, it knee jerked back the other the other way. EJ Manuel didn't, you know, dropped into the 20, late teens or twenty. Geno Smith dropped in the second round. Whereas actually, probably where they should have been taken, which is where Christian Ponder should have been taken, which is where Jake Locker should have been taken. So, you know, is that going to happen this year, or is it? You know what? And I'm I've, I've come over to the Mayakian theory <laughs> that don't don't talk about. Well, would you take them at? You wouldn't take him at one, but you take him at four. Look, if you think he is a franchise quarterback, you take him at one, five, ten, fit wherever you can get him. If you're not convinced he's a franchise quarterback, you can't take him in the first round because if you do, you end up sitting next to Mike Mayock on draft day instead of being in a draft room. Excellent. Excellent philosophy. Great uh, lifting up the hood and, and hearing uh, about all that. And, and uh, the, the Jonathan Martin acquisition by Harbaugh, in San Francisco, you know, we we connect dots in this business. That's the biggest dot. Obviously, he knows Martin, bringing Martin back to the Bay Area, uh, where he'll have a comfort level. His family, um, you know, in in the mix there. Um, that 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 seemed to be if he was coming back into the league. That that that's a nice landing area for Jonathan oh, Martin and right? and a strategic. You know, I think even though uh, it sounds like Trent Belke and and Jim Harbaugh. Don't talk to one another. Um, you gotta, you gotta rank them among the better organizations right now. I'm talking about Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England. I thought throw Green Bay in that in that that quarterback or in that general manager, head coach relationship and how strategic they are. I thought San Francisco was brilliant in what they did in terms of uh, the moves that they made once they lost Dante Whitner uh, and picked up Bethea, um, re-signed Anquan Bolin. Um, and, and now, you know, that's going to be a good pickup for them in that offensive line, if for no other reason, obviously, because he's a capable player, not a great player. There's some holes there that have to be, but he's with the guy that, that would made him good and had belief in him, and uh, he'll know he'll fit into the locker room just for the very sake that the coach knows what kind of guy this is and be very, uh, it's, again, very, it's the right move for Jonathan Martin and a very strategic move 
for the San Francisco 49ers. And we also found out that the supposed power grab for Jim Harbaugh wasn't about a new contract. It was to go get Blaine Gabbert, right, Coach? Clearly, yeah. he was he wanted the upper hand in that management decision. <laughs> so he had decision. the leverage to go get, yes. that, to go get that, that. We found yeah. that out. That's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to I'm it. I'm going to stick to it. I'm yeah. going to stick to it. Uh, last question for you is the beard when, when, that we saw you rocking this week on the free agent frenzy. Um, this seems to be an annual tradition for you, post-combine, where you just don't – not your... we got to get it online. You know, let's have it do an online poll or do it through the – okay, keep sure. the beard or lose it. Is it more like Sean Connery or more like Papa Smurf? <laughs> Which of the two – are we talking? Well, oh, there's Smurf. They were calling. First. They were calling Mart's uh, Colonel Sanders oh, on the he, air. Oh, he did look. And, and he was kind of carrying the weight to go with it too. He, oh. was, he was playing the whole thing <laughs> out. You know, you guys may not have noticed, you West Coast guys that yeah. have all that good weather. It's been a little cold back here in the East Coast. Oh, so this is functional. You're, oh, you're saying? Yeah. Well, we went skiing for a couple of weeks, and now I thought I'd keep it on. And, and uh, I'm sure I'll get uh, a memo from some of the uh, no. some of our suits there at the NFL Network going, "Yeah, nice beard. Lose it for the draft." Well, they call okay. you a hillbilly coach. Like Rich does. Yeah, I call, what it is. No, I, no, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what do you, I want, let's have a vote here. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Rich, what do you think? So, up I, or down? I say up. I like, like it. I love it when you and Dion both grow it, and you get the you know you get that little the white coming out there. It's great. Yeah, I I, I think it's so a good. little white. <laughs> no, it's all the white. Contrast on your TV a little off. No, no, Sorry, yeah, a little yeah, white. It's all white. I mean, Just it's... keep it closely cropped, Coach. That's what my wife tells me, but that's hard to do. You know, that's maintenance. It's maintenance. Yeah, yeah. it is high maintenance. It's, it's uh, worth it. Yeah, I think it. I, I like it. Um, and what? So Papa Smurf. I like that one. I, I mean, it could in Sean Connery. We'll throw this up on the blog page. Yeah, okay. This will yeah, be our poll yeah, question. Well, what are we voting for? The, the, a thumbs up? Or, what are we voting for? A thumbs up or thumbs down? Or whether it's Sean Connery or Papa Smurf-like? Well, yeah, we'll both? Get, Can we'll we do get, two uh, polls? We'll get tens of tens of people voting on it. Now, hey, listen. Don't discount the people who listen to this podcast and have nothing better to do than oh, click on. I don't on, doubt that at click all. On, on, yeah, we we got to get it uh, get it out in the mainstream <laughs> and see, where, see how it flies, right? <laughs> you know, Keith Olbermann used to uh, grow facial hair out of spite just to upset management because <laughs> management hated facial hair at ESPN. That was verboten. And I've never seen somebody grow a beard overnight quite like just, Keith. Just to, just to ruffle the feathers a little bit. Seriously, like he would go home, and I'd do a show with him at 11 o'clock Sports Center, and he'd be perfectly clean-shaven, comes in the next day, and he's like on the, the side of a cough drop box. It was ridiculous. The man was really long beard, and it was impressive. Well, I, I won't do any hits on my, my billet cam here. In, okay, uh, and and we'll unveil it at the draft. <laughs> oh. Yeah, mock, mock draft. We don't have anything else to do. <laughs> Coach, thanks for calling in. As always, I All appreciate right, it. Good. You bet. That's Brian Billick, the uh, the bearded wonder, back on the Rich Eisen podcast. There you have it, Brian Billick. Everybody, he's uh that that we'll put that poll question up on the beard. Yeah, for sure. Will you do that? Yeah, we'll do when, when are we going to get a new open? Uh, When's the, that happen? The new open. Well, uh, I'm going to try and work you on call it. it. When you're saying you're calling it the new open as if it was in the planning it, it or is in it the planning. exists. I, I mentioned it to Brockman the other week. Is that and, true, Chris? Uh, Brockman? Is that true? How, what yeah. do you mean by mention? What does that mean? He, I said, hey, Twitter is uh, kind of getting on you about <laughs> how old the open is. Needs well, how to old be is refreshed. the open? How old is the open? From the beginning of the playing season? It's been a while. Uh, been. I think it was. Did you retool at middle six? Week six. Week, week six or eight. Okay, and the NFL season is Whenever seventeen regular. Hold on, let's figure it out. Twenty-two 17. weeks with Super Bowl. Twenty-two weeks. Okay, and it has been over a month since the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're at, least. At, we're at about twenty weeks. Yeah. 
20 total weeks with this open. Okay. Um, did we have did we have anybody between that uh, time of the new open and the current uh, I don't know frame if time, any time frame of reality? Guests, did we have like, anybody that might merit making an open? I mean, I don't like know, the wait a minute, Seinfeld, maybe, right? Seinfeld, um, the Anchorman guys, the Anchorman guys. Uh, okay, a few other ones. Oh, any, anybody epic come in like Timothy Oliphant or or, or Bruce Dern? Bruce Dern calling J- Jack Youngblood a That's prick. That's already in the works. That one, Come on. call, I already have that saved and timestamped and everything. So, so saved and timestamped is is in the is better than not nothing at all. I mean, at least it it's, in, it's at least it's in the planning stages. If we can only get you out of your meetings, well, and your eighteen-hour review sessions with management. <laughs> well, there is there is a site survey next week in New York. Too. Is there I'm really a site survey? Site survey Site survey says yes. I'll be in New York for a few days. What are you site surveying? Um, the same building that we're in every year for the draft. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh, Radio City Music Hall hasn't changed since I was five, well, and I'm a 44 year old man. This is, is this something else? Is this is this for is this for this what? This is for a couple things. It's for uh, it's for the actual draft. Um, we have there's a large the actual draft in Radio City the Music Hall. The actual draft in Radio City Music Hall, which has not changed. Radio City Music Hall opened in December of 1932, which is the last time it changed because it's landmarked. You can't touch the building. Yeah, but you know, every year you go there, there's a few things different. Like what? Little like what? Audience. Our setup, like our imprint. What? Remember when we had? Le- do you think? Do you think when Bjork was there from last year, post draft, <laughs> that she, that she, no, no, she the, Easter, the Easter Bunny, the there? Easter show, or what is it? The Nutcracker is. Well, no, the Easter show is why the draft is in May. But remember, like two years ago, uh, we had the we called it the, the two Italians, Lock and Four and Lombardi, in that little booth that moves around NFL.com. Lock and Four presence. was two years ago. Two years ago, yeah, right, and then right. last year we didn't have that. You know, little sets change inc- uh, intricacies. Um, so also, you have to get on a plane to New York to do that. Well, yeah, and then we're meeting with the DP for uh, the mock draft show that we we taped last year, where Mayock hosted. And where and where's that mock draft show going to be? Same room, but a little. There's some new same adi- room, new additions. Same room. So the mock draft and the actual draft are in the same locations as last year, but you still have to get on a plane to go survey the site. Yeah, and and and, and then the scam. Eisen, the Eisen podcast scam. draft special. Oh, um, I, I, if we, we have some guests potentially in the works, I yes. might try and stop by Efforting. some of their locations to look at uh, our setup and potential imprint and load time. Because here's the thing with New York: does this show have an imprint? It's all unionized, so some buildings Carbon like footprint? you can't even bring oh, your own camera into. Unions. Don't blame it on the oh, unions. The unions are they're tough. don't blame it on the unions. I mean, I'm a union guy, man. All right, all right. I grew up in a union household. I don't want to hear it. Look, these are essential. This is why things run so smoothly. I don't think smoothly. they have unions in Western PA. There's a couple of yeah, us. Yeah, right. What are you talking about? You're not unions. from union country in Western Pennsylvania? Nah, not, not really any unions in Central Pennsylvania. Oh. Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Steel Country, unions. Of course. Mm-hmm. Central Pennsylvania, most people work Can somebody State. tell Jerry Sandusky's wife to pipe down, please? I, you know what? Other than Can seeing somebody tweet, just say, we understand this is a... Uh, we understand what... you. A family, we don't actually don't understand what the family <laughs> must be going through. We don't, but it's not a lot. Can we matter. can we just not hear from Jerry Sandusky's wife? I actually haven't even read any of the. I haven't been up on it today or read anything, but I'm sure uh, any time that that resurfaces, it's never a good thing. So, I'll. Uh, I got no. I got no. It's uh, it's just it's just it's. 
You know, the, the well... It's unspeakable. The other big loser in all this is our guy from the Ravens, the beat writer for the Ravens that covers them, and his name is also... Well, he's the voice. He's the radio voice. Yeah. Radio Jerry guy. Sandusky's yeah. the radio voice of the Baltimore Ravens. So, anyway, it's getting uncomfortable in here next Is time. it really? Yeah. I didn't notice. Because, I, you know, I, I just can't believe that... The, so, when it's all said and done, the site survey is going to delay the new open? <laughs> Well, the it delays, survey it delays delay the, the editing open. of it. I mean, you know. It, what delays the editing of it? I thought well, you, already other, got, you already got time codes. You know where it is. I got projects. Rich. I mean, you could tell me. I've got I mean, projects. I, I can do it. I've got projects. Oh. Wait, is that called. a volunteer? Is that a volunteer over there? For I mean, for anything for the good of this show, Chris Law. Because oh, <laughs> I believe the first and only guest that we've booked is Christy Teigen. Maybe you could get her back on. Yeah. Left a, left a little. What do you think? Little Twitterverse over there. See what I can do. You want to throw out a line? Maybe. See what it brings back on Twitter. Although, Rich, every time Chrissy Teigen engages me in conversation, oh, I get involved. You butt your way right into that one. <laughs> I Twitter block you. <laughs> you do <laughs> Twitter block. It's called me. rooster blocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that always works. By the way, I I do that on purpose. I know, now. First I know couple of times I did it just you know because I lo- I just lost track of of thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to admit you were jealous that she was talking to me. It's all right. Well, it, it's what did eventually lead to the booking. Of course. You got the you got it started. I closed like Rivera. That's right. Hey, I'll go. Yeah, it was creepy until Rich got involved. I'll go in strong. He got involved and it was scary. You were just some. Oh, really? Come on, guy. Is Charles Davis on the phone for crying out? Charles man? Davis. I'm. Oh, he's he's getting loaded into his car. We need to stall for about another thirty seconds oh, and he'll gosh. be ready. So when is there going to be a new open in this program? <laughs> I right. The Cannavale story is great. Yeah, that's great. But that can be shortened. And and there are some there are some guys who listens to this show who have tweeted oh suggestions back and no back no tweeted oh, back oh, the and guys. forth. Yeah, they yeah, love yeah. this the Connavali yeah. story yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. the turnaround man has become a nothing, phrase nothing, in nothing. Their, right has become phrases yelling, in yelling, their yelling. friendship they in their us. lives screaming 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 yeah. nothing nothing nothing, nothing. nothing. They, they love that just turn around man turn that around. story hey. it became bro, even more germane right bro I hear you bro I hear you great story. Look, but we've heard, it, we've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. We've got it. I mean, Seinfeld's been on this show. The four anchor men have been on this show. Jerry Jones did. Timothy Oliphant <laughs> talking Oliphant. about when he called Cannavale an a hole. When you told him that he broke the record for yeah. cursing, yeah, and then he cursed at Cannavale. Just <laughs> to add one more on top. Why don't we do this? Bruce Dern, some come on. Twitter suggestions? They, we open? No, open it up. Don't, they've no, been, they've no, been coming is, for months. This has gone on long the enough. The Twitter suggestions have been coming. This has gone on long enough. Oh, look enough. who's on the phone. Charles Davis oh, is right here. Oh, oh, right, I'll course. patch him through. Here oh, you go, Rich. You got him. Please now to turn once again uh, back on the Rich Eisen podcast, the one, the only Charles Davis. How are you, Charles? I'm doing well, Rich. How are you? It's good to chat with you again. Yeah, well, you're the hardest working man in our business. There's no question about that. We have found you at an airport. Have we found you at an airport right now? Headed to one. You're headed, headed to an airport. I'm headed to one. I'm not at the airport yet, but we're we're making our way towards one. Which way are you? Are you heading to NFL Network? Are you heading? To, I am. Okay. I am. I'm, I'm headed. I'm headed your way to actually get some work done. So no, here no, we go. No, we don't get work done here. We don't. <laughs> well, you know, for most people who who watch what we do, they definitely wouldn't categorize it as work. That's they true. would categorize it as a dream that they would like to have come through for themselves. And the good part for us is that we do actually know that and understand it. Mm-hmm. So we cherish our opportunities, too. I call it the greatest grind of all time. I, great, a great way to put it, Rich. A great way to put it. And 
by the way, before we begin, one more time, congratulations yes. <laughs> on your 40 time. I was so happy for you, and you you you've earned it, man. I'm, I, I keep telling you, most people keep talking about people don't get better as they get older. Look yep. at you. What can I tell you? Um, as Mayock pointed out, uh, I cut weight. I didn't eat all the crap. In the uh, in the booth, as I, yeah, you know, I mean, because you know, it's seven hours of television yeah. on Saturday for Combine, and yeah. then eight hours on Sunday. It's the longest day. It's absurd how long Sunday is with the with the uh, running backs, receivers, and quarterbacks, and and then comes Monday for seven hours with the defensive linemen and the linebackers, and then the conversion linebackers, four defensive linemen, and that's when I run. So usually I'm sitting on my ass for let's figure it out, fifteen, seven, twenty-two hours. And that's over a three-day period. So almost one full day of the three-day period is me sitting on my behind <laughs> broadcasting the combine. And then I go run the 40. It's, it's, it's not what you're supposed to do before you go warm up, right? Not no, you're not, you're not exactly hydrating and stretching for those 22 <laughs> hours. I mean, that's not, that's, not, that's not in the manual. There's no coach alive that says this is the way to get ready for it. Even back in the good old days when they gave you steak, it is your pregame meal. It's a right. good play, fellas. No, this is not the way to do it. And and you, Charles Davis, are the voice of my forty-yard dash. I mean, that, and that's proud to, and proud to be. That's it. You, you've done that for like five years, and and to me, that has that has that is why this forty-yard dash that I do this silliness is still in my mind. Thank goodness, um, uh, I guess funny. You know, it hasn't jumped the shark yet because no, that no. that simulcamming of me over the rest of the actual combine participants is what has breathed years of life into the bit. I agree totally with that. I really I, I agree with every statement there because the simulcast <laughs> has added not just before it was the Walter Mitty factor. Yeah. You know? We all wanted to do that, right? No, right. All apologies to Ben Stiller and his movie. I go back to Thurber in the book. Got it. The Walter Mitty factor was there before. But now with the simulcast, where it's not just the Walter Mitty. Okay, Walter had his shot, kind of like George Plimpton, the mm-hmm. paper lion and That's out of right. their league and, and all that, where he you know, pitched, boxed, mm-hmm. played goalie for the Bruins, the whole deal. You know, okay, exhibition stuff. This is the real thing because you go out and run it because these guys don't run against anyone. They run versus themselves in a clock. And then we're able to simulcast that you're doing the exact same thing that the guys at the Combine are doing. So Mitty was doing it in his mind. Plimpton did it as exhibition. Yours actually is the closest to real as we're going to get. Because that's exactly <laughs> what they do. And you're on the track that they do it on. I mean, exact timing, everything. It's right on down the line. So I love that. So apologies to, to Stiller, Thurber. George Plimpton, rest his soul. Yes. I'll take Rich Eisen doing the 40. Okay. It's the closest to reality TV as we're going to get. Well, I apologize to the memory of George Plimpton for even being mentioned in the same sentence with my 40-yard dash. You you deserve to be, Rich. You deserve to be. Oh, come on. I've read all of Plimpton's, listen, I've read all of Plimpton's stuff, okay? Trust me on this. I am a Plimpton Plimpton file, okay? Mm -hmm. I've read the stuff, the articles, paper line I probably read double-digit times. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so <laughs> you got that. I read out of their league when he came and pitched in the, in the exhibition game, which was an all-star game, and they actually had to pull him in that one because he couldn't get up to the plate after a while. They had to come out and get him. He played goalie for the Bruins. He boxed with Archie Moore. I did all that stuff. I saw it all, okay? All great stuff, and we loved it. Participatory journalism. 
Now, guess what? You're calling all this for all those days. You see these guys year in and year out, and you go out and do it, and it awakens. It really awakens a. It hits a chord within a whole bunch of people. They don't send in those videos for nothing. No mm. one stages that stuff with the run, rich, run just because it's you know for the heck of it. You're too it much, actually man. Hits, it, it hits a chord, Rich. It really does. All of us want to be weekend warriors, and then some. And it's so much fun to see. And really what I like about when you say it hasn't jumped the shark, you know why I think it hasn't jumped the shark? Because it's not coming down to people like you're, you're Muhammad on top of the mountain. You really are one of the masses doing this, and they get completed with you. And that's why, that's why I think it hasn't jumped. They, they don't feel like there's a separation. They see themselves out there doing it as you're doing it. And I'm not trying to get too you know, philosophical here, but I really believe that's what it is. Because I told you privately, and I'll tell this for the audience, Yes. I walked into my workout facility on, God, it was the day after we left. We left on Tuesday in Indianapolis. Yeah. I walked in Wednesday morning. I don't even get a hello. And I've been going to this workout facility for double-digit years. Not even if it's a place called Zero Gravity in Orlando. So here comes my man, Leo, who runs the place. Leo and his wife, Sarah. I don't even get a hello out of Leo. So I've known double-digit years. <laughs> hey, how about Rich? He finally broke six flat. <laughs> right out of the gate. Now, in normal oh, circumstances, man. I'd be a little upset I didn't get a hello. Yeah, sure. But because, but because of what you did, all we did was kind of celebrate, talk about it. I mean, we talked yeah, about probably much. three, four minutes before I started my workout. And he talked about, you know, man, I wonder what I could do. And that's what it is. Everyone sees that and says, I wonder what I could do. Can I run that kind of time? You are so too really kind. really kind of cool. Charles, you're too kind. Because one thing's yeah, for sure. That, that was, that's a true story. And that's, oh, that's I appreciate that. I wish, I wish Leo was here. And one day I hope you get a chance to meet him because he locked into that to. deal. Well, that's I mean, not. He's that's locked into that. That's nice, and I appreciate that. Uh, but George Plimpton was never simulcammed over somebody named Irish Chocolate. That never happened before. <laughs> you know, so. so, somewhere George is looking down and is a little angry. He said, "Look, I had a night train in my path. That's true, but night, not an Irish Chocolate. Lane. Never. I an never Irish had train. an Irish Chocolate. <laughs> Jewish Vanilla. Well, that was me. I was Jewish <laughs> Vanilla, and and Louis Nix was Irish Chocolate. Although my favorite oh, simulcam. My favorite simulcam in the history of the simulcams of you being the voice of it, I think, was Mount Cody. I think <laughs> Terrence Cody, me running simulcam with <laughs> Terrence Cody. I love that one, but I have to admit, Rich, yeah. I do have a soft spot. Uh-huh. Because this year, with the embarrassment of riches at the end. Yes, the embarrassment of riches. <laughs> I love that one. With all the ones of your past. Right. Your past coming together with, with your present. Yeah, I thought it was terrific. I loved that one. It was one of those things where, where all of a sudden in my mind I had a flash. Remember, analyze this with Billy Crystal. Of course. And, and they're going De Niro, and they're going to the big meeting of of all the mafiosos and the FBI's following and the whole deal. And remember, they all went in the same black stretch limo, mm-hmm. and they came out of the tunnel together and all went in different directions. Which one are you supposed to follow? Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Here comes all the riches out of the tunnel. Which one's going to run the 5-9? <laughs> I love it. Well, um, as you're on your way to the airport coming out here to to, um, to talk, I'm sure, uh, the, the draft, I want to get your, your snapshot judgment of, of where things stand. We're less than two months away. Yeah. Um, is, is there any more clarity, any possibility of clarity? where the Texans might be leaning for the first domino to tumble. 
I think the same clarity we left Indianapolis with, Rich, still holds today, although I do feel like they're leaning less towards the quarterback and more towards the pass rusher and clowning. You know, when we left Indianapolis, I think we've firmly established two directions for them, clowning or one of the three quarterbacks. Now, I do know that there was some sentiment about Khalil Mack, and he's a wonderful player and could very well be the best player in the draft. I'm not going to argue that at all. I just don't see them spending that number one pick on a linebacker mm-hmm. because Khalil Mack is a tremendous player, but I'm not sure we're projecting him for double-digit sacks every year. He's, he's not that To me, he's not that linebacker like a DeMarcus Ware where I know he's coming at me and, and, and I'm going to pass rush him all the time. Is he a good one? Yes, without a doubt. But he does other things too. So I think it's Clowney or it's one of the three quarterbacks. Right. And I really think those three quarterbacks we talked about, Mandel, Portals, Bridgewater, I'm not convinced yet, Rich, that a fourth quarterback's name doesn't get involved in it, a kid named Carr out of Fresno is State. Is that right? We keep hearing yeah. that name with a bullet right now rising up. Yeah, Why I, is I, that? Because I think the more people examine and, and go back and watch, and, you know, we're not watching it with the same eyes we did in the past, Rich. Remember, for all those years we were talking about how do we make the comparison or the transition or how do we project these quarterbacks who are playing in these spread offenses to the pro game? Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And scouts were just grumbling and mumbling, oh, they don't play the game. Uh. Well, we all said you better get comfortable with it because it's not going away, right? Mm-hmm. But not only did the league get comfortable with it, they actually started to embrace it. How many of these plays do we see per game in the NFL now that look like what you see on Saturday, whereas in the past they wouldn't touch a Saturday play with a 20-foot pole? We ain't doing that Joe College stuff. Well, they do it all the time. I mean, how many games do you watch in the NFL where the quarterback's in gun, and then when you notice him under center, that's your surprise. That's where we've gotten now. The read, you know, the zone read, the read option, that's a huge part of it too. But just the types of things they're doing and how they're hybriding the, the players, guidelines out wide, now he's a slot, he moves in tight, like a tight end position. All those things are starting to come to pass now. So guess what, your evaluation of the quarterback, isn't quite as apples to oranges as it was before. It's a little bit more of a mixed bag of fruit, and that's why I think Carr is starting to get more of this more of this love. Look, now into here. Bortles from UCF, Bridgewater, Louisville, Carr, Fresno State. They do have a common opponent, unless I'm mistaken, and it was Rutgers. Mm-hmm. At one point, all three of them played against Rutgers. So while it's not the only comparison you have, we act like Bortles and UCF played you know, William and Mary every week. That's not true. We know better than that. Carr, you don't get to see because they're playing games too late. Bridgewater at Louisville, we got to see him on the big stage in the All Sugar the time. Bowl. Exactly. And then, and, then, and then this year we were able to lock into him and say, okay, here he is. And then he and Bortles go head-to-head. Carr put up the best numbers by far versus Rutgers. I mean, just, just crushed it. So when you watch him and continue to watch, it's a guy who's thrown a lot of passes, got a lot of experience, has been through the mill, right? He's had his downs, you know, off the field as well, but has come back in a big way. I'm not ready to say that we're just down to three quarterbacks in the first round. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to say we were very likely to be talking about a fourth quarterback, and maybe one of those quarterbacks might move ahead of one of the big three. That's what I'm. That's what I was wondering about. That sorry, Chris. That's what I was wondering about. Is that can Carr hop into the top five 
and then Bortles or Bridgewater or even Manziel begins to drop because you hear about Manziel, and we all know Manziel's going to work at his pro day and he'll look great. Everyone will marvel about how he moves yeah. and how he runs and how he and how his arm and his hands are are you know huge for 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 a quarterback, which is what you need to succeed, obviously in, in tough weather, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to hear that, but then I hear you know that some people think he's too fragile and he's going to get exploded in the NFL. Someone's going to come hit him, and he's too reckless to to play in the NFL and uh, without getting hurt. Is it is it possible Carr even hops above him? Do you think? I don't think so. I think all those things are legit, but I don't think so. There's a magic to Manziel that people are worried about, and I've said this for a long time, and I'll say it until this draft is over. I think that the top two guys that this next statement is going to apply to the most in this draft are Jadavian Clowney and Johnny Manziel. You know what the statement is, Rich? Mm-hmm. Inside those draft rooms, you're going to have that sentiment of, we like him. You're going to have a couple guys, eh, I'm not so sure. Someone in that draft room, probably that old grizzled vet, is going to say, but what if we pass on it? I think more people are concerned about passing on a clowny or passing on a Manziel and having to come back to bite them as much as they are in them with their talent. The guy I think would be most vulnerable out of those three quarterbacks with Carr, to me, is Bortles. And here's why. At the beginning of the season, with Blake Bortles on the radar with the scouts and the GMs and the, and the personnel guys, they knew who he was. But I don't think they were sitting there thinking, if he has a big year, he's coming out. They were just saying, yeah, we got to keep an eye on him and see what he does his junior and senior year. And all of a sudden, the ascension begins. A lot of guys have a hard time trusting that ascension. Mm-hmm. Carr, on the other hand, they were already tracking. It's a little bit different feel. That's why I, I, I think that if Carr was to make that rapid rise, Bortles, to me, is the one that's most in jeopardy. Bridgewater seems to be the safest, even though they'd like to see his frame bigger and him a little bit stronger. They feel like he's done it so long and so well. That's why we use the term the most pro-ready guy. But we got to be careful with that one, too. We thought John David Booty was the most pro-ready guy <laughs> when he came out. Okay? And so, so you know, I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate John David at all because he was oh, pro-ready in terms of knowledge. Go ahead, Charles. In terms Charles. of understanding offense, in terms of that. But talent-wise, it didn't quite stack up the way that people wanted it to. But I remember Bill Walsh years ago the great bill walsh was talking about a quarterback out of byu that, that, that he thought was the most pro-ready guy and he ended up going in the seventh round but you never know hey listen you know bill walsh uh we we all revere him and for for right for the right reasons he he was one of the part of guys in the 49ers who took giovanni carmazzi instead of tom yeah. brady and that's why a lot so, of people think that bortles might be the guy all said and done that gets chosen by the Texans if they go quarterback first overall because he fits the Bill O'Brien mold yeah. in that regard more than the rest of the, the quarterbacks. Do you lend credence to that uh, totally. narrative that's being passed around right now? Totally. And and in and, and, and Bill O'Brien's career, we won't go through all of it, but Bill O'Brien was with George O'Leary at Georgia Tech, okay? George O'Leary's head coach, O'Brien, was running offense. He had a quarterback there named Godsey who is a big Strong kid who didn't have a great arm, wasn't a run-around, move-around guy, okay? Mm-hmm. He coached Tom Brady. Well, we know about Brady's attributes, but running around and doing all that isn't a big part of what he does. Right. The kid he recruited at Penn State to get him jump-started and really had to win because the kid had committed, but now he has a chance to go somewhere else with all the stuff blew up at Penn State. This is the best recruiting job he did to get this kid recommitted was Christian Hackenberg. Yeah. Have you seen him play? He's a big, strong kid who's, who's 
solid in the pocket, and I don't think there's a zone read to be called with him any time in his career. So, yeah, there's credence to this thing. This is what Bill O'Brien has done. Now, for us to say that that's the only way he can coach a guy, that would be folly. That's like when Chip Kelly came into the league, and I kept saying, guys, I know you've seen the Oregon offense, but Chip Kelly knows how to run offense a lot of ways. If you don't believe me, punch in his New Hampshire tape with a kid named Santos, Ricky Santos playing quarterback, and a kid named Ball who broke Jerry Rice's one double-A record catching the football and see how see how fast they played, which wasn't super fast. Yeah. And see and and see and see what type of offense they ran. Ricky Santos wasn't running zone reads; he was swinging it. So for the for us to 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 take these coaches and say the last impression we get out of them, this is all they do. That's not necessarily true, so we have to be careful with that with Bill O'Brien, too. One question with you guys, going back to, to Carr, do, does how David kind of failed as a top pick, does that have any impact <laughs> on him or no? To, to it always does. Really look at it. Chris, Chris, what you bring up is, is something that we go through all the time. Every time you bring a guy for presentation in one of those meetings, okay, who does he remind you of? Okay, who are, what are his bloodlines? And those things are important to different people. Some people will, will say, eh, that doesn't mean a lot to me. I'll take the kid as he is. Some people say, oh, boy, no way. I think the only only thing I know for sure is I don't see any way possible that Houston, Texas would draft Derek Carr. Okay? <laughs> I just don't see. Other than that, it's going to be it's gonna be individual teams making choices. But, Chris, it's something that comes up, and it is a conversation piece, and it is something that people put some credence into. In fact, Someone we work with will tell you that a certain school when he was co- when he was coaching, yeah. he came out of a certain school. He didn't want him. He was on he before. He was on before Brian Billick, and he, he didn't refu- want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it from UCLA. Didn't want to hear it. Period. You know, matter who it was. If you brought him Anthony Barr right now, he'd be like, uh, nope. Well, it hasn't changed because of because of uh, Jim Mora. You know, I mean, and, and I hey, think so. hey, everyone I was talking so. about how fast UCLA's track was this week at the pro day that everybody shaved a, a, everybody you know, shaved a tenth or off. two tenths of a second off their combine. Which is running five, seven, eights. Look yeah. out. And, and, I'm and going to Westwood about. right now. I'm going <laughs> to Westwood. Hey, Rich, I don't know if it's as much the track as, as Jim Moore glaring at these kids at the starting line. They might have run past. I imagine too. <laughs> you know, and off they I went. But, but, you know, let's face it. If Coach Billick said he didn't want a kid from UCLA, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because who held down the left tackle for him while he's winning Super Bowl? Yeah, Big John Ogden. You know, uh, I know. You to school? UCLA. Okay. So, so we, we all have our different preferences and different things. I just think we have to be very careful about just making it a blanket statement. Do we have a typecast about different schools and what we get out of them? Of course we do. But there's always someone that breaks the mold. You just have to be able to recognize who it is that breaks the mold. Yeah, I know. And we talked about it with Brian. I just want to bring it up with you real brief, too. Yeah. With the Gabbert trade, uh, to not like we were looking for any sign that Jackson was definitely going to take a quarterback third overall in this draft. We assumed they were going to do it anyway. But the Gabbert trade to San Francisco certainly makes it uh, obvious that Jacksonville at three is going to take a quarterback. Uh, Cleveland yeah. sitting there at four. Raiders sitting there at five. If Clowney goes first. That means yeah. every quarterback is available in the draft still when the Rams, who have Sam Bradford, are on the clock. There's no question the Rams trade out of that spot for somebody, right? I mean, isn't that the I, way I it's going to so. That's the way it's gonna unfold? I would think the that they've already installed extra phone banks in, in, their, in their offices <laughs> to feel tall. I mean, you'd be crazy not to, sitting at 2-13, and 13, mm-hmm. because quarterback's not your deal. Other people it is. People have to move up there. If Clowney's off the board, 
you're still going to get a bunch of calls from people about trying to move up. You can move back and get what you want because, to me, what the Rams are going to want is offensive tackle and wide receiver. You move back, bankroll some of this stuff, get what you want, and still have something left to parlay later. I think Les Snead's sitting there feeling really, really good about the spot they're in. And here's the other part, Rich. Let's say Clowney doesn't go one, all right, just just, just for, for fun. Let's say, the next, let's say Bill O'Brien takes Bortles sure. or, or Bridgewater. Clowney's sitting there at two. St. Louis, I think, has a hard decision to make. Yes, you can go ahead and move back and still get those positions you want, but we always do what in our league. We copycat the champ, don't we? Yep. Pass rushers galore. The Giants won two Super Bowls. Pass rushers galore. I know Robert Quinn's there. I know Chris Long is there. But if Jadavian Clowney's sitting there, do I double down? Do I triple down for another pass rusher at two and take him? And now I'm chasing around Kaepernick and chasing around Russell Wilson. The teams have to beat in my division. I don't think that's out. I don't think that's out of the the realm of possibility for the Rams to have that in consideration. Maybe so. They need. They need. I would take Watkins, and I know it's 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 a uh, it's it's He's tough something. to take a, a receiver second overall. But the Lions did that once, and it's sort of worked out. Not yep. saying he's Megatron, but he's really talented, and that's but exactly what the Lions, Rams need. The Rams speaking need. Speaking of the Lions, Rich, you know what's you know what's happening too. If Sammy Watkins is sitting there, you think you think the Rams sitting at two? You think the Lions aren't licking their chops to try and get up there and help Megatron? Uh, it's going to be a great draft. I'm pumped. I up. mean, that's huge right there. And I know everyone's screaming and yelling. I hear Detroit fans right now. They mourn the loss of Mr. Ford. Oh, my God. We've done with this receivers thing enough already. But you just pointed out the last one Matt Millen drafted. Yell at Matt all you want. He drafted Megatron. So they didn't all go wrong for him. All right. He got Megatron, and that's a great building block. But he takes a beating. He catches over 100 balls a year. You've got to start planning for Megatron slowing down and enhance who he is. Why do you think Andre Johnson was in the offices of the Houston Texans last year saying, if you don't draft a receiver to help me, somebody's going to get hurt here. And lo and behold, DeAndre Hopkins shows up. Wow, Clowney. I mean, if Clowney drops, too, that would be a story and a half. You will have a ball sitting at the desk if Clowney's not gone in the first two picks. Well, Jacksonville doesn't. It needs a quarterback. I mean, that, that's it. Desperately. They, but but now it. Jacksonville gets a chance to play, too, if they want to. <laughs> I mean, because if Clowney's sitting there, Atlanta's where? Six? Mm-hmm. I know Dimitrov doesn't have the same cachet in terms of draft picks or whatever to play like he did Julio Jones. But if that's a team that can get well in a hurry and needs that pass rusher desperately, I would not be surprised to see him try and work some magic and move up if he drops down after the first two picks. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, as I mentioned with Billick, they addressed uh, their needs defensive line uh, and free agency. But as you said, you can't have enough of those guys. Uh, you can't have enough of them. I mean, you know, Jonathan Babineau, great, great pickup for him, you know, to, in order to, to keep him in the fold. Yeah. But, yeah. but who, is that, who is that bullet that is now aimed at Drew Brees? Because John Abraham is in, in Arizona, folks. So who is it? So that's the key for them. And there's Cameron, too, in Carolina to deal with, you know, with him the way that he's playing. you got to go get Cam. you got to go get Drew. And, and Tampa he, Bay still to be determined whether it's Glennon or if they make a move for it. No, they, yeah, they went ahead earlier, um, perhaps uh, did, while you were driving they, in the airport. They, they got McCown. McCown. They did for two years. They got years. McCown. They did. Well, McCown, again, is a great starter piece for you. But that is, he is not the be-all, end-all. I think he's what they're trying to use to get through the next year or two. So, 
probably 2015, 2016 quarterbacks to be wearing Tampa. And uh, the, 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 that's what's going on. And the Lions also, while uh, you were probably getting ready to get in the car, signed Golden Tate. So they went that's, ahead and they, they got big. some help from Megatron there. Um, that's, big. that's big right there. Maybe that lessens the burden on trying to move up and get a Sammy Watkins. But, again, how are we playing the game nowadays, Rick? Three, four Three, wides. four wide receivers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can't have enough of them either, just like pass rushers. Charles Davis, you travel safe, sir. I look forward to seeing you here in the sunny uh, Southern California climb shortly. Look forward to seeing you as well, Rich. Thanks for the time as always. You take no, care of yourself. You bet. That's the one and only hardest working man in this business, Charles Davis, back on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Good old Charles Davis. Chuck D. The best. He's great. Yep. Um, and I'm sure he would be excited about our next guest, too, because Charles is as locked in on pop culture as anybody else. Oh, yeah, well, when he kept saying Walter Mitty, you know, uh, obviously I, j- I saw the movie when it came out. I, I didn't realize the, the impact of, of, the, of the book either well, that, that he was talking about. Because I, I was like, is that really in the, in the zeitgeist? And, you know, the book obviously was pretty popular. When, when were you born? I was born in 83. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, certainly in, in, um, in terms of uh, years... After the birth of Christ, there was 1,983 years that occurred on the earth in which things happened. <laughs> yes. That, that may or may not be true. <laughs> okay. That predated you. <laughs> and if you want to just go even before the birth of, of Christ, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Hundreds of millions of years, Rich. Yeah. Hundreds of millions. Look, I like to, I like to be aware, though. Things have happened. Things have, things have occurred. Well, Dude, I'm I'm just I still the Charles Davis interview has still not got me off the whole concept of this open and and the fact that it's being delayed due to yet more NFL media things on your plate. I understand that you're you're a man with many many jobs on the NFL media side of things. Yes. It'll it'll happen. And when it happens it'll be spectacular. But but clearly rich like we can see can where the priorities are. Next week, next week's I'll show. For- next week's show. Here are our two guests booked for next week. I'm not. I might not be here. Next I understand week, that because you're on your site survey. Maybe I'll call. I, I'm well aware that you're maybe not here next week. You know what? I'm going to be on vacation next week. Are and you I'm really? still coming in. Are you really? Yeah. Okay. Seth Myers. That goes back to that whole Seth no life. Myers is phoning in next week. Yes. The new king of late, late, late night. Late late, 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 late night. night. Right. Seth Myers of the uh, of 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 uh, formerly of Saturday Night Live. He's been on this show. He was on our. Draft special two years ago. He was. Two years ago with Dennis Leary Correct. and the commissioner. And the commissioner. And Seth Myers is phoning in. And next week, also, the director of draft day and Ghostbusters and Stripes. Wow. And I'm... Meatballs. See, this is why I'm hoping that interview happens. Ivan Reitman is coming in. In studio. In studio. In studio. In, in person. person. Nice. And we'll obviously talk about Howard Ramis with him, too. No question. Yeah. Talk about a career, and he's the director of Draft Day. And I, you know, clearly he had no idea that uh, Kevin Costner would be more tenured as a general manager of the Browns than the current general manager of the Browns. Man, Kevin Costner would have more time, <laughs> good, time a, on the job as point. general manager of the Browns than Ray Farmer has before the movie comes out. And he did Up in the Air too. He's no, so his many. his son did Up in the Air. No, but he was a producer on Up in the Air. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm talking about directing. Yeah, no. No, I know his son did it. But, History, know. movies, Rich. Dude, yeah. Well, I can't be bothered with on those. Fire! Come on, now I know. A, I, I know it was his son that did it. 
What's his son's name? I couldn't be more excited about this guy calling in. Um, there's just no no other way to put it. I'm 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 a huge fan of his. I'm a huge fan of the show Breaking Bad. Um, Aaron Paul is on the phone line here. Pleased to have on uh, the Rich Eisen podcast someone who I've been uh, I've been eager to have on for quite some time. His new movie Need for Speed hits the theaters near you on March 14th. He is Aaron Paul. How are you, Aaron? I'm so great, man. It's a pleasure to be on. I appreciate you coming on, and you just said uh, uh, moments ago, I guess, uh, to uh, off the air. This is your last interview for Need for Speed. This is. I've been I've been touring around all over the world um, for five weeks, and uh, this is officially we saved. You know, we saved the best for last. <laughs> yeah, I, I. You know, I'm sure you say that to all the last, Aaron, but that's okay. <laughs> I will. Ta- I will take it and run with that, because uh, I, 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 w- I was hoping to speak to you at the Super Bowl because I know you were all over. Radio Row. You even came on NFL Network, and I, you know, yeah. I, usually I'm on. I, I live on NFL Network during Super Bowl week. Like I could actually sleep on the air. It's it's almost like the Truman Show for me. And <laughs> of all the times for you to show up, I wasn't there. What was your Super uh, Bowl experience like? Uh, what was that uh, like for you? It's been so. Uh, it's so incredible. My wife and I go every single year. Um, it's just our tradition, no matter who's playing. Okay. And we just uh, we just pick a team, and that team for that day, um, we're just we. It it looks like we're diehard fans since we were born. You know, so passionate for our team that we choose that day, and it's it, it's incredible. Just the 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 energy that's coming from that that uh, stadium is just. I mean, you can you you can feel it. You can cut it with a knife. It's just, it's incredible. So on Super Sunday, were, were you Seattle fans? I mean, did you did you front run in that uh, in the proper regard in that way? Uh, no, I, we were going for uh, for Broncos actually. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a pretty brutal. Um, it was a pretty brutal game. We were we were fifty yard line, three rows back, um, right behind the Broncos bench, and. We were trying to give them some, you know, like a, a, a nice pep talk because the energy just was sucked out of the stadium by uh, by halftime. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we were trying, we tried our best, but, um, I mean, it was, I mean, good for Seattle. I mean, they, they are just uh, such a team to be reckoned with. Now, I mean, Aaron, we, we at the NFL Network, we have eyes everywhere. Uh, I was told that you got on the field before the game and security had to remove something from you. Is that a true story, Aaron Paul? Is that a true story? No, that's not true. That's I don't not know. true. Uh, I heard that. Yeah, the, no. the, the, oh, you know, yes, that, that is true. Actually, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. They, um, I snuck a beer on the on the field, and they, 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 they took it. They're like, you can't have this here. I'm like, oh man. It was so close. But good for you, though. That that I, I like your I like your style, Aaron. I liked it before. <laughs> I like it even better now that you wanted to bring. I mean, who who doesn't want to have a beer on the Super Bowl field? I mean, come on now. Well, I think Peyton probably wanted one about one play into the game. He probably would have. Oh, he wanted much. He wanted much more than a beer. Let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, oh, yeah, man. I know. I know. It was a long day for him. So, from Idaho, yeah. I know. I know. Broncos country goes from Colorado into Wyoming and and the Dakotas as well. Uh, growing up in Idaho, was there any NFL influence at all in your in your existence? To be honest, not really. I mean, um, you know, my family is a big uh, NFL family. Uh, no one really had like a specific team, but it was. Uh, 
we were big BSU Bronco fans. Nice, the blue um, turf. You know, uh, college football. And uh, and I think that's really the one team that I, 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 I have followed for many years. Well, it's interesting because they have blue turf. And then, yeah. obviously, blue was the color uh, that came into your life in Breaking Bad as well. <laughs> Yeah, and, blue you know, uh, blue follows me around. It like does. It. it does follow you around. So, <laughs> Need for Speed is is clearly your first major project coming off of Breaking Bad. Uh, walk yeah. me th- walk me through and, and fans uh, through what this film is all about and your final discussion of it for your press tour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, when I first saw Need for Speed on my desk, I was so hesitant to even read it. I was like, Oh no, another video game adaptation. Oh no, another car movie. Um, but the moment I started turning the page, I was just, I just kept turning it and I was having so much fun reading this script. And it's just such a great story about, uh, kind of a brotherhood coming together and trying to right a wrong. They all have vengeance on their mind. Like my character, Toby, spends two years in prison for something he did not do. And so the moment he gets out, he's, uh, he's out for the, you know, out for the bad guy. And, uh, it's kind of a race against time. They're trying to get from the, from the East Coast to the West Coast in less than 48 hours, and uh, they have to do it in a very fast car. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a fun ride. And everything that you see in this movie um, was captured in camera. Uh, there's no CGI, no green screen. So all the stunts uh, that uh, um, you see actually happened. There's a throwback to, a fil- to films that I think really started the genre, like Bullet and Vanishing nice. Point and Smoking a Bandit, Blues Brothers, those sort of movies. Um, that's what this movie kind of is. I love that you mentioned the Blues Brothers in that regard. Yeah. Because that is the, <laughs> the driving and, of course, the sequence at the end of it. And also, there's a Spielberg element in that movie where Spielberg is the one that, that they see at the, the registrar's office at the end of that movie. He's the one that punches their ticket. Steven Spielberg yeah. d- did a cameo in that role, and he's involved yeah, in your it, film. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and did did he not? Is it true that he's he's the one that that uh, because he's a fan of Breaking Bad, he was the one who wanted you cast in the role that you are in this for this film? Is yeah, that a true story? Yeah, as well? I mean, he he uh, he uh, you know um, makes all the final decisions. Yes, uh, well, he is Spielberg, and right? So, yeah, he he is Spielberg, and um, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean, initially they they were thinking of me for the villain. I mean, I, I I didn't know any of this until this whole press junket. But um, but then Stephen, you know, saw some you know saw some stuff on me, and um, they're like, you know what? Actually, I, I think he'd be good for for the lead. And um, and so yeah, thank you, Stephen, for this. Yeah, that that, yeah, that works. Thanks. So Breaking Bad, I do want to hit you on just a few minutes before before you go, um, Aaron. Yeah. It, to me, it's it is. I've said it on this show many times. We've had uh, your colleague Brian Cranston on this show before. We had Vince Gilligan on for what was supposed to be a half an hour. He stayed for an hour and fifty minutes talking about wow. the show because well, he's so open about it. You know, I mean, you you see so many people who are creators and. And and um, executive producers who are somewhat secretive in a way of their process, he yeah. couldn't have been more open and talking about it. And so I love this program. What 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 do you think uh, drove the character of Jesse Pinkman? What what do you think was the inner workings, the wiring of his character? I mean, you know, Jesse wasn't even supposed to live past the first season, and I mean, I just think Jesse kind of be uh 
he became the really the 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 heart of the show. I mean, he was just like the something heartbeat of uh, of Breaking Bad. Uh, a lot of people, including Vince Gilligan, our fearless leader, really considered Jesse Pinkman to be the the moral compass of uh, of Breaking Bad. Even though you know he was a, a murderer and he cooked and sold sold crystal meth, and I mean he's done some terrible terrible things, but um, deep down, you know, I, I think the the people really felt that he he was a, a good guy just kind of trapped in a world that he just doesn't want to be in and uh yeah i don't know yeah i mean he was definitely the most redeemable character and and you it's interesting that you say he was the moral compass of the show because Vince Gilligan and the writers beat the crap out of your character i mean just tortured <laughs> tortured your character in a way that i've never seen before you know yeah. and it, it's just yeah Fascinating to me in that regard. Vince, Vince, uh, you know, I, I had a pretty long discussion with Vince Gilligan about that, and he said, he goes, you know, we don't really, we don't want Jesse to be thrown in prison, you know, um, but uh, he he does need to kind of pay for his his actions. Like he can't just get away scot free, you know, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially towards the end of the series, he was just, I mean, he was so tortured. He was just <laughs> such a sad, lonely individual that just could not catch a break. But, um, you know, maybe he deserved that a little bit. Now, how are you, as an actor, how do you separate those two? I mean, were you at all sometimes going home, leaving work, just needing to just shut off the world and get your bearings after playing that character sometimes? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the first couple of seasons, I, I kind of just stayed in the skin of Jesse uh, the entire time, but it's just too emotionally exhausting. Um, so I kind of, I kind of stopped doing that. Going in towards the end of the second, going into the third season, I just when you got get done with work, you just kind of take off your wardrobe, go home, take a shower, and just kind of just relax and be yourself for a moment. And then you know you got to start working on a the stuff for later on that week or the next day and you're just right back in it but yeah i mean playing that role was um it's just so heavy but i mean i just loved him so much well i mean and and vince told a story about how uh, a screen door was locked and you got thrown through a locked screen door and literally got yeah. hurt you literally got hurt for real yeah got hurt. i got a i got a, yeah i got a concussion um it knocked me out uh i woke up feeling pretty drunk actually uh, but yeah, it was uh, Tuco, um, played by R- Raymond Cruz. He he throws me through the screen door. My 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 head actually got caught in the wooden frame of it, <sighs> and then it flips me around, and the screen door splinters into a, a bunch of different pieces. And then I just I land flat on my face. And then this the scene continued because Raymond thought I was just acting. Uh, so he picked me up on his shoulders, threw me against the wall um, <laughs> after kicking me. Um, so it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty intense, but uh, um, it was it was great. Do you have a favorite episode? Do you have one? I you know what I do. Um, I got to re rewatch it, and that that might change. But um, you know, I just wa- I just watched the series once, like when it when it aired, and. Uh, I had a favorite episode um, when I was shooting the uh, episode four days out. Um, I think it was in the second season. It wasn't the second season. 
Um, and it's Brian Cranston and myself, so Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, being they're trapped in the middle of the desert. Um, uh, you know, my character leaves the keys in the yes. in the engine, and you know they're just trapped in the middle of nowhere with no water, and you know it looks like they could die out there. Um, but it's just it was just us. Um, the entire episode, or the majority of the episode, was just Brian and I, and it just felt like a, a two man play in a way. You know, we shot it in order. And um, it was just, I don't know, for me, there's just something so special about that. Well, Aaron, you're brilliant. I, I don't mind saying it. You are brilliant. The, what you did on that show um, and what you did with that character, absolutely uh, brilliant. And um, wow. I, I just well, thank I, you so I, much. I, 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 I truly appreciate uh, what you did in that show. And I told this to Vince Gilligan. I told it to your, your colleagues as well. It is it just blew my mind. And it meant so much. It's meant so much to so many people. And um, anytime I tweet about it, it gets yeah. more favorites and retweets than anything Dang. else I talk about. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a crazy thing. It's, it became this global phenomenon, and the, it's just it's just growing. I mean, so many people come up to me in a, in such a, an emotional way every single day. Um, they really feel like. Or they tell me, you know, Breaking Bad's kind of just changed them. You know, it's changed the way they they will forever watch TV. Um, yeah, but thank you. I, I I just you know I'm such a huge fan of the show. I cannot believe I was even a part of it, um, let alone such a, a a big part. But yeah, it's such an incredible thing. Well, good luck to you with this film and uh, beyond. Before I let you go, talk to me about the Kind Campaign. I know that means a lot to you. Um, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Sure. No, Kind Campaign is uh, such an incredible uh, organization that my my wife had, had started. Um, she had a, a severe bullying experience in uh, middle school where everyone kind of turned their backs on her and just, like, for two years made her life a living hell to a point where she um, – attempted suicide and uh you know she went to film school and the first thing that she did out of film school was a documentary called finding kind she traveled the country and talked to young girls about the effects of bullying and tried to understand why girls tend to be so vicious towards one another anyways once she did that she met so many young girls and heard their stories and realized that everyone is affected by it and she decided to start this organization called Kind Campaign. And so she travels the country and does assemblies in front of young girls about the effects of bullying and just really bringing kindness back into the school hallways. And, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible, beautiful thing what she's doing. Well, uh, I, I believe it's the kindcampaign.com where people can go yeah, and, and kind, find yeah, out about kind it. Campaign, yeah, kindcampaign.com. And, you know, we did, a, we did a whole event. I threw an event for Breaking Bad and yeah. Kind Campaign for the final episode of Breaking Bad in the sea or in the cemetery in Hollywood, we sold out in 36 seconds, and we raised just under two million dollars for Kind Campaign. And, uh, now she's yeah, so it's uh, it's great. She's now able to travel uh, for free. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Uh, yeah, people we just convened at the Hollywood Cemetery for the finale, which was remarkable. I, I saw that scene. I didn't personally go. I've got three young kids. Otherwise, I would have made it to the cemetery that night, you know, just to be part yeah, of that whole and, stuff. And you could you could really um, hear a pin drop during that final episode. Uh, and there's thousands upon thousands of people there. And Vince Gilligan was nervous to play the final episode there because he thought people were going to be loud. But everyone was so respectful 
because they're you know they're everyone's just so invested. But um, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it was it's transformative television. You were awesome in it, and um, I, I'd love to have you in studio if you're back in Los Angeles at some point to just delve in deeper on this front. Because, like I said, absolutely, uh, the fans of the show can't that. get enough of those conversations. I mean, the, the Vince Gilligan podcast we did was, I think, one of the most downloaded ones we ever did, and he was awesome. And uh, so, I'd love to get more into it if you've got something promoting. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would love that. I would love that. Hey, I hope this was a, a gentle landing for you, uh, for your <laughs> monumental tour for for this film. No, it, it 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 was. It was fantastic. You always have such a soothing voice, and so really, <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. Hey, Aaron, uh, congrats again on everything, and good luck with this film. And I hope to speak with you soon. Great, thank you, Bob. You bet. That is Aaron Paul. His film Need for Speed is in theaters March 14th. Go see it. You're on the Rich Eisen podcast. Well, we're just checking off boxes of Breaking Bad, folks. Good dude, man. That's awesome what him and his wife do. I am circling around Dean Norris right now, trying to land him I think he, he, for this show. He and uh, um, Better Call Saul. Um, Bob o- Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Are That's the, next on the list for us? The next two, yeah. we got to get him. Got to. Badger? I thought Badger was coming in. I, I can I can circle back to that. that I thought maybe that. He's a big Bears fan, He's a big Bears, right? Bears fan. Big Bears He's fan. also on Mom now. He's yeah. on the sitcom Mom. Let's get him in. We'll get him in. Okay. Make it happen. Do I, do, I need, do I need to lob some tweets or something? What was that laugh? Because need... you're on site surveys to do any of this stuff. All right, I'm going to move past it. Uh, <laughs> while we're on the subject of um, television shows well, that we love, Breaking Bad, did you guys finish up True Detective? I did. Absolutely. What would you think? Loved it. I thought some people were upset with the ending. I thought Why it was would still be, good. Well, yeah, I, here's I the thing it. is that... We, What's the, to be upset about? Uh, because it didn't pay off? Well, the, no, it's because it wasn't a shocking twist. Because they kind of gave it away at the end of episode seven, and then and then they both... It wasn't like a uh, a one of those moments that, that leaves you in the dark, you know, oh, that, that, that would shock you. I thought it was great. I, I mean, thought it was, too. That they proved fan. out to be true detectives. They were really good. Yeah. They were obviously great actors, but they turned out to be excellent detectives. And it was, but it's a story about these two guys and their relationship and how they are different men than they were 17 years ago when this they first stumbled upon this case and coming together and, and solving it. They they got their they got their guy, and that's uh, that, that was I thought it was well me. done. Me I mean, so beautifully shot too. Holy crap! Unbelievable. That it, show is so I don't know beautifully how they do shot. It again. Well, they they're going to totally reinvent themselves. Sure, I've heard like uh, female leads. It'll be following two women next year, but even that's going to be tough to kind of. Uh, I heard. That. It, uh, did I see something on Twitter that the next season is about the uh, history of the occult in the transportation system of the I United heard States? Also. Yep. That that's what they're looking at. That's what they're. That's what uh, uh, the the writer the, and creator. The history of the. Transportation at. system of the occult involved in the transportation system. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Devil worshiping on a train. I'm in. Wow. Can't wait to see it. I mean, of course, it hasn't been officially renewed by HBO. They're oh, wait- please. But they're waiting. It broke HBO Go. I know. That was incredible. On Sunday night, I, I know so many people who were like, um, hey, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch episodes six and seven. Right before. On HBO Go, and then TiVo or DVR episode eight, 
or watch episode eight on HBO Go, and HBO Go crashed on Sunday night because there were too many people who had that one in mind. Isn't that incredible? So uh, HBO is absolutely going to renew that. The question is, is how much they're going to pay the uh, creator and the director, too. Wow, they're all and if if Breaking Bad, by the way, is up for Emmys next year. Well, this be, will be considered a miniseries, though I believe, because it's an eight part. I don't think it'll be follow fall into So the, they'll be separate. Separate. Categories? It's possible they'll be separate. That, they might go the American Horror, horror Story way. Yeah. I, I meant well, to ask John Hine then. that if he thought, but that's yeah. a wrap. Then I don't. Then, oh, then, then whoever else is making a oh, miniseries, push it. Push it a year. Oh, yeah. I just can't wait to see. Because they're all going to win. I don't know. I mean, they're all going to win. I don't know how oh, Woody Harrelson is going to beat out. Matt Woody, McConaughey. Woody Harrelson might be supporting, maybe. I don't know how that's possible. They're, they're both lead actors in that But show. I can't wait to see who the leads in the next season are. I mean, and Mar- a, you, you know A-listers are and lining up. And they're going to be big time now. Lining up. Yeah. Well, Marty, Marty Hart is somewhat relatable to, but like Russ Cole, you don't know anyone like that guy. That, that's uh, the weird not. thing. Like, that's <laughs> such a... I hope but not. That, the, that character is something that we've really never... And his, his, final, his final McConnell oh. in the final scene... The light is where he rich. broke down. Holy crap! Yeah, and the, and the last line is the light is winning. Light I had to, I had to rewind. I know it. we're I sort of ruining it. stuff, but yeah. it, it it it's um that doesn't give anything away. But no, it doesn't. We're not giving anything away in terms no. of the the big secrets right, of the we're show. Not, we're not giving anything. Away. But I mean, what a line! So good. to finish up, certainly from his character and the journey that he went through. Wow, definitely a different guy and. Are you guys watching House of Cards? I have not. I think oh, that's next on my radar. I finished a week and a half ago. You're kind of all the season way? Two? Season two? Season two. Uh, wife and I have five episodes of season two left. What do you and think so far? I'm loving it. Yeah, it's Chris crazy. Law, there are some mean people on this show. <laughs> mean people being mean to each other. Yes. In the with construct me, of, of the government of no the United regard. States and politics. With it's no just regard. Mean, mean, awful, conniving, manipulative people, and it is just delicious so, to true watch. True to life for the most part uh, with and, politics. And as sort you, of makes me want to go into government. As you've seen in, in Netflix shows, when, when one ends and it zooms to the top <laughs> left of your screen and the bottom right of your screen starts ticking down to the next one, Susie and I are looking at each other, and we know, we know for sure, one of our three children is going to get up in the night, and we're going to be miserable at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and we, have, we should get to sleep now. But it's impossible to click stop. Can't. Impossible. So does she, does she, does she likes it? Is something Chara might like, too? Like, <sighs> oh, no question. Okay. Because, no like, question. Breaking Bad's okay. a little dark, like, you know, stuff like that, but... Um, Did Chara like True yeah. Detective? Uh, yeah, she did. She loved it. Well, I mean, so, you can't get darker than that. The only way it gets darker than that is if you lose all electricity in your house, <laughs> in a neighborhood that loses all the electricity. That's how dark True Detective was, as you know. Yeah. House of Cards is fun, 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 fun. Good. I'll, I'll have to start that up. And I'm loving it. And I don't, you guys were Deadwood fans or not? Haven't seen Deadwood. Yes. Okay, so I am through two Ger- seasons. Gerald McCraney, you haven't seen him in Deadwood yet. He comes in season three as okay. George Hurst. I think he might come in at the end of season two, actually, okay. as George Hurst. Uh, formerly known as Major Dad. Yeah. He Major plays, he plays yeah, yeah. the SOB rich man. Oh, big time. Better than anybody else. <laughs> so good. He plays a guy named Raymond Tusk. Who is essentially running the country with his he's essentially <laughs> the political George, contributions. Well, he's essentially the George Hurst from Deadwood yep. in the 21st century political scene. Yep. And he's awesome. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. 
House of Cards. Can't cannot recommend it higher. It. Good. All right. And it's addictive, so you need to have some time. It's addictive because you're gonna like like Rich said, you're gonna watch one, you're gonna want to watch a second, and then you're gonna want to watch I a love, third. I love Netflix, and I have it. And, and then my... all of a sudden, three hours have gone by. We got to clear the decks before uh, Game of Thrones returns April sixth. So we, Susie and I, have to do that. There's We've a got lot five more to go. Right? So. And, and, uh, and Mad Men on the thirteenth. That's true. Well, also the Showtime series. Um, Ray Donovan will be back, and then uh, what's the other one? The CIA, uh, Homeland. I mean that that's going to be coming around the corner too. Homeland did a little shark jumping for me, brother. See, you, everyone said that, and I actually Homeland didn't Homeland did a little bit of the I, shark I jumping for me. I have not seen me. it. I have not seen Homeland. I still enjoyed it. Season one of Homeland is as good as it gets. Season two of Homeland was like, eh, and then it got great at the end. Season three of Homeland was, what in the world are we doing hanging out with one of the daughters on that show was just yeah, dreadful. Yeah, that, that, that was bad. Dreadful. Can you, with well, Netflix now, can show. you download, or does it all have to stream? Because like, if I'm on a flight, I can't watch Netflix, right? Correct. HBO going Netflix does not stream. Yeah, that's the bummer of those. Yeah, that's that's the bummer of the site survey. It'll put a crimp. <laughs> It'll put a crimp in your television watching well, and open making. Full circle. Hey, real quick, with, with Aaron Paul on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well done, Rich. Thank you, sir. Well done. Uh, with Aaron Paul on, though, you mentioned he was all over Super Bowl. There is a, a – to, to, to plug the site and to plug our, our pal Damashek, he did a sit-down with Aaron Paul. Yeah. And, uh, That's very it, good. It's a really funny about six-and-a-half-minute video in which uh, they started breaking out – he had scripts from uh, Titanic, and they did the Rose and Jack scene while they're floating. And Aaron Paul played ball with it. It was great. So check it out on, uh, on NFL.com. NFL.com. Yeah, it's a really funny Put video. in the – what, you plug in – uh, into our crack search engine on NFL.com, <laughs> and they'll find it. That, that or is why a don't we why don't we link it? That. Why don't we link it to on I'll, our blog page? I'll, I'll throw it out on the blog page. Yeah. Okay. Because anytime on our on our search engine, you put in the words Rich Eisen podcast, and it literally the word that comes back is huh. <laughs> it goes to a page and it just says huh question mark. I don't I don't have any control over that. The, the Can new you open, tell I don't I'll care very much anymore? <laughs> See that that he doesn't have any input on it. Or? I don't know. Law. I mean, this is out of my realm. I'm, no, not, that's a pro- out of your I'm not a programmer. I, I, don't, I don't deal with that stuff. But um, okay. Uh, good show. Next week, Ivan Reitman. Um, he's coming in. We just don't know which day. Yeah. We do have a confirmed conversation for sure with Seth Myers next week. Correct. And uh, you will be missed, Chris Law. I don't you feel will be very missed. much, but... So do we get an Alex Wilk situation sitting in? Uh, it'll either be Alex or maybe Kave. Uh, Are you going to phone Kave in? Kave might be back, too. Um, I'm flying early Tuesday, and I get in... Um, maybe actually, you could, yeah, I'll be in yeah, by one thirty Eastern. In, you can phone in and describe the site to me. Yeah. And I have a feeling it's going to sound an awful lot like the Art Deco jewel known as Radio City Music Hall that Opened has been... Opened in 1932. Yeah, See, I, and it's I, been... When, when was it landmarked? Does it say in there when it was landmarked, uh, meaning it can't be touched? Stand by. Can we find out? I, I mean, I know they renovated it. What do you think Charlie's Maybe. doing on Tuesday? Rich, it was landmark. Uh, the interior was declared a New York City landmark in 1978. 1978. Unbelievable. That was five years before the birth of Chris Law. That's right. So stuff does happen. Some Five stuff, years stuff before the Lord put Chris Law <laughs> on right, this guys, planet. Great show. We'll see you next week. To survey sites that have been landmarked since 1978. <laughs> tell me how it looks, please. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. There's this stage and the seating uh, that is exactly the same. <laughs> Fantastic. International shout out, Rich. What do you got? Chris Newsom at 
Noosey74, he says, hey, Chris, been trying to get a shout-out for two years. Come on, man. Listens from England. Loves your work. The Bruce Stern special. He loved it. Yeah, very good. Nice. Thanks, uh, Chris. Still trying to get back in contact with our friend in Paris who won the contest. We'll try and get him on soon. <laughs> Look, these, these international people They're tough are to pin down, man. Easy to get down. Their time they zones are different. They are awful tough to pin shout, down. Shout them out. Let's call them out. You know, here's how we do it. An international call Here's out. what we need to make this happen is an Eiffel Tower site survey. <laughs> a survey, a site survey of the Louvre. Let me see if I can get that one approved. Get that one approved. Listen, guys, we need to site survey La. Arc de Triomphe. I need to go that the Champs Elysees, or as Chris might call it, the Champs Elysees. Oh, come. okay. <laughs> and he's got to get that site survey done there. The Louvre. To it's, get, it's like it's like Brett to get, Favre to get to get our highly deserving but thoroughly ignored <laughs> international champion on the horn. Rough week for me this week, huh? New Open. I'm in a mood. Surveys. I'm in a mood. Unbelievable. The champs to Lessies. We'll see how this show goes next week without me here. <laughs> Probably <laughs> swimming late. No, <laughs> we'll miss you. We'll sure. miss you. We'll miss you. We got you all. Um, for at Coach Billick, correct? Yes, at Coach Billick. At CFD22. Charles Davis got a it's, – it's, That's almost like JFF, like Johnny F in football. Right? Yeah. That's his Twitter address. Yeah, CFD22 and then Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul, Paul underscore eight. Yeah. Love the underscore. underscore and number. Yeah. Wow. From him, I'm dying. Two, I'm two he tweeted out. Talk about the power of Breaking Bad, and we talked about that with him real quick. He tweeted out, I like you. Go to his page. I'm on it right now. I like I looked you. Up, I looked up his most recent tweets. On March 8th, he wrote. See how many times he wrote, I, I like, like you. you. Period. Yeah. That's just Hold three on, words. Let, let me, not even a period. Not, not even a period. Guess how many times it was retweeted. Him, uh... How many followers does he have, bro? He's got a million seven. He's right? got well, he's got one point seven. It's not going to be as many as you I'm think, go, but it's a I'm lot. I'm going to go fourteen hundred. Ninety nine thousand seven hundred and seventeen retweets. Wow. Twelve thousand favorites. Sixty one favorites. Yeah. I, I like you. That's it. I like you. You don't even know what it's referring to. And right. Then, and then his his latest tweet was a I don't want to eat it, and an Instagram picture that's not found. <laughs> That's not found. Wonderful. And I'm sure that was retweeted a billion times, too. But I want to thank him for coming on. Go see his movie, Need for Speed. Uh, at Chris Law, I hope to see you next week. Yes. Before you go on your site survey. Interviews. And uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, a new open. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe, just maybe. Okay. Uh, at Chris Brockman, I'm at Rich Eisen for At The Eisen Podcast. Peace out. Stay listening, friends.